Welcome to episode 28 of the Formula Lockdown Podcast. As always, I am your host, Tom Roberts. Uh, this is the first monthly edition of the Formula Lockdown Podcast. Usually we do it weekly when I get back from illness. Uh, those who have been listening up to this point, up to the last episode, episode 27 with Tricky, know that uh, I was going away to have surgery to have uh, my wisdom teeth removed, all four. Uh, after I had the surgery, if you follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash full metal lockdown, you would know that uh, I had some nerve damage in my mouth. I lost all the feeling in my lower jaw for about two months. So yeah, now we're back and we're back on track. On today's show, we've got it packed. It's over two hours of epicness. We have Jim Silk from Red Bay. We I have an interview with him. And I have an interview with Frank Bello of the legendary Anthrax. Yes, one of the big four is on the Formula Lockdown podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a dream come true for me. I'm just going to put that out there. I listened to their new album. It is a freaking monster. Uh, it comes out on, uh, actually I think it's already out. Uh, February 26th, if you haven't got yourself a copy yet, go out and get yourself one, it is great, it is one of the best Thrush albums I've ever heard, uh, we, we get into his interview a little bit later, uh, we end up talking about a lot of different things, um, a variety, guest variety is one of the subjects that will come up, uh, because I got a lot of interesting and no bad feedback, believe it or not, about the tricky episodes, other than the quality of the audio. And I couldn't help that. I, I tried. But uh, these interviews with Jim Silk and Frank Bellow, they're better quality. I figured out how to do it properly. Uh, I also reviewed the uh, new Drowning Pool album, Hallelujah, which is great. Uh, talk about Pitted. Uh, talk about the death of one of the greatest of all time in Lemmy. We have our song of the month. We have our band of the month. We have our tour of the month. We have a very action-packed show. Or well, I wouldn't say action, but we have a very packed show. It's very hard to fit action into a podcast. But anyway, uh, what do you say we kick off the show? <laughs> Thank you for sticking around once again and listening to the rest of the Four Minute Lockdown podcast past the intro. Uh, yeah, so the format has changed, as I said, for this show. We used to do it weekly, and uh, or once every two weeks we had a new guest. That's how the show started, but uh, then I got very, very ill last year and nearly, uh, well, yeah, nearly died a few times last year. Um, then I got surgery and just scattered my shoulders twice, both of them, I uh, had another kid, yeah, it's been a hectic year, 
but uh, to uh, try and combat that because I don't want to end up being too sick or to end the show. I don't want to end the show. I want it to keep going and I don't want it to be, oh, when the hell is he going to put out another episode? I want to try and do it once a month, please. So now I'm going to move it from weekly or whenever I can to once a month. And I will have it out once a month, starting with this show, which is February. On this occasion that I'm recording it, it is the, it's the uh, 27th of February, I think. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, I will have it out before the end of February. Uh, so yeah, so that's the format change. It is now becoming the first... Uh, not the first day, but the first of monthly paper, uh, podcast. Sorry, I'm a little bit mumbling my words at the moment. Uh, it's the first monthly podcast that I'm doing. And, uh, hopefully it becomes a monthly thing and a regular thing for me to do. Um, also, uh, in March, on March the 2nd, actually, I finally got a fucking date. I'm getting my electric wheelchair. Uh, those of you who have been listening from episode one with uh with Dave Haley from Psychroptic right up to the tricky episode of episode twenty seven, you would know I've talked about it a few times I have a disorder called Friedrich's Ataxia. That's actually what sparked me to start doing the podcast because uh, it was good speech therapy for me. But anyway, and it was also a way to keep up my skills when it comes to recording and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, on March 2nd, I get my electric wheelchair, and I've been waiting a long time to get this thing. Very, very, very first thing I'm doing is taking my daughter to a park and playing with my playing in the park with my daughter obviously i'm not going to be playing on the uh on the jungle gym but uh it'll be it'll be the very first time that i've gotten to go anywhere with just me and my daughter so i'm looking forward to that and then the next day i'm using the wheelchair to go downtown and put up posters for a gig <laughs> yeah typical anyway uh the reason why i'm bringing that up is uh my family is running a GoFundMe for for me. Um, my wife started it. We're aiming for around forty grand, but uh, the thing is, that's our target. But we will take anything in between. Sorry, I've got heartburn. Uh, we're aiming for a wheelchair accessible vehicle that can accommodate me and my family. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, a few people have said, oh, they can do it to, like, 100 jazzes, and they're only, like, 5 grand, and if you get one, it's only, like, 10 grand to convert them. No, I need something that will fit my family, otherwise it's just a waste of time. Uh, and there are reasons why we need something that I can drive. Um, but I can't set them in a public forum at the moment. Uh... So a people mover van of some description. We've found the cheapest one we've found is ten grand, 
and it's an anxitaxin that literally, literally has 920,000 kilometers on it, nearly a million kilometers racked up on it. That is the cheapest one we found, and it's still 10 grand. We've raised uh, nearly five and a half grand, and we're, we're hoping to, the a best case scenario is getting a new car and getting it converted, and the cheapest conversion is about 25. Uh, and so that would necessitate around 65,000 is the best case scenario. The best second-hand one we've found with the lowest amount of kilometers and the the most decent-looking one is still about twenty-five grand. So yeah, so we're we're not only just relying on GoFundMe, we're putting every cent that we have spare away to try and help get the wheelchair accessible vehicle. It's so that uh for once. I can take my kids to go visit their family instead of waiting on family to come visit us. It's so that we can go to the zoo and have a day with with my kids instead of waiting to see the photos and hear about it when they get back. It's so that I can enjoy life with my kids, pretty much. Uh, the website is gofundme.com forward slash Roberts Freedom, R-O-B-E-R-T-S-F-R-E-E-D-O-M, Roberts Freedom. Uh, we're not, we're not demanding of everyone to, uh, donate, because we understand that people aren't in the position to donate all the time. We are asking people to donate if you can. If you can't, Please go on there and share it, because you might not be able to, but your friend Harry, or your friend Dick, or your friend Tom, or your friend, uh, yeah, whatever, John Doe, might be able to donate, and people have donated anywhere from 10 bucks up to 400, literally, a friend of mine, and I know who he is, he chose to be anonymous, so I'm not going to announce his name, He's donated 400 bucks. We're not asking for people to donate $400 because $400 is a lot of money. But we are asking if people have a spare tenner or a spare five or a spare 20. And hell, if you have a spare 400, go for it. Uh, please. That's all I'm saying. And it took me over a year for my wife to convince me to put aside my pride and ask for help. So. I figured if I'd done it, I might as well go the whole hog and uh, the whole hog and ask people completely, if you know what I mean. Anyway, off that, uh, so people are brought up to me, uh, through the inbox of the Fullmetal Lockdown Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Fullmetal Lockdown, uh, that people like the tricky episodes, like hearing the variety of guests, not just heavy metal artists, which is cool. I'm aiming to try and get uh, a couple more wrestlers. I want to ask me, I haven't asked them yet, but uh, an Australian wrestler by the name of Cracker Jack, 
brought him out during the interview with Turkey and another Australian wrestler named Daniel Swagger uh, brought him up in the interview with Turkey as well. And well, I'm aiming to uh, hopefully get an interview with one or two, both of them separately. Uh, hopefully. And then I'm also aiming to get people like uh, promoters and sound people and uh, and stuff like that on the show. And maybe uh, up and coming artists. I don't know. Actually, I've got no idea for that. But yeah, we'll see. And, uh, I'm, yeah, if you want someone on the show to yell out, you hit me on the inbox, hit me on the Twitter, at the FML podcast, which is the new Full Metal Lockdown podcast Twitter account. It's actually got more followers than my personal account. Not hard, because I only have about 200 personal followers. But anyway, um, if you want me to hit someone up, and have more variety in the guest range, just let me know, and I'll see what I can do, and we'll, we'll get it done, uh, yeah, so, uh, actually, there is one guy that I really want to go on the show, but I'm not sure that he will, he, I'm not going to name him, because he might, might not appreciate me naming him, but uh, I really want him to be on the show. He organizes all my international interviews. He organized the Frank Bellow interview for me. But uh, we've, we've talked via text. We've talked via email. And we're friends on Facebook. And uh, I was scrolling through some of his photos. And he is one of the most amazing people I've ever seen. Uh, but I've never actually gotten to talk to him or meet him. So, uh... Yeah, you know who you are, and if you hear this, it's an open invite to the show. Just hit me up, text me, and I really want you on the show, man. You know who you are. But either way, um, let's move on with the show. We've got our band of the month, and I say band of the month. It used to be band of the week, now it's band of the month. And so I can't say week anymore, but I'm still going to say week. But it's the band of the month. And this month's band of the month for February 2016 is And Then Silence from Canberra. A progressive metal three-piece band. I saw this band play with Impalement uh, in January, on January 30th at the basement. I know that because the band I managed, Terrorist, were the opening act. And they shredded it on stage. They were amazing. Uh, if you ever get a chance, go check them out. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash and then silence band. It's A-N-D-T-H-E-N-S-O. Uh, sorry, S-I-L-E-N-C-E-B-A-N-D. That's and then silence band. Uh, so... The band of the month for February is And Then Silence. And right now on the Formula Lockdown podcast, uh, we just had our band of the week uh, segment. So right now we're going to actually hit into our Aussie interview with uh, the Aussie interview. Oh, I've actually got a markdown as Aussie interview. 
we're gonna hit into our interview with the great bass player from the great Red B. If you haven't checked out Ictus, their current album, go do yourself a favor, go check it out. They're recording their next album at the moment, or they're writing it at least. Uh, go check them out. But right now, this is Jim Silk from Red B. Right now on the line, I have Jim Silk from Red B. I've had Dan Silk from Red B on the show about a year ago, but now I've got his brother, the bass player from Red B. How are you going, Jim? Good, brother. <laughs> Doing real well. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. <laughs> All right. So, how have you been? Uh, what have you been up to lately? Oh, man. Um, nothing much. Working hard to getting the second album happening, just uh, doing as much as we can in the way of prepping for that. Um, still playing the odd show, like um, just the ones that, uh, you know, we're, we've been a bit picky and choosy with them, so just playing a few of the funner ones or the more important shows. And yeah, just keeping our heads down and writing hard. You're actually, uh, you played a home show with uh, Red Bee the other week, I believe. It was with my for my partner, actually, Sky, my business partner, I should point out. Sky, she was the promoter of that show. Oh, the, uh, with King Parrot? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was an amazing show, yeah, up in uh, Katoomba. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. Like, uh, they're great guys, too. Get, they get along quite well with them all. Yeah. And, um, yeah, man. We yeah, we, was, yeah. No, so that that show went really well. It was great. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I actually saw you and uh, uh, King Parrot perform at the Tats last year in Penrith. Oh, oh in Penrith, yeah, that was a great show too. Actually, yeah, it was. Yeah, we really enjoyed that. Like, yeah, um, they, they, yeah, they again. They're so, such a uh, cool cats to play with and. You know, just to, yeah, they're always keen to just make the night as big and as fun as you can. <laughs> it was a great show. I drove uh, nearly five hours there and then five hours back. Same day. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's that kind of shit that, you know, makes us want to put on a good show and stuff like that, too. So. Well, it was pretty epic. I can't wait for the day that uh, you and King Parrot announce that you're doing a full national tour together. <laughs> oh, yeah, fingers crossed, man. That might be a bit sooner than oh. we are. Uh, yeah, might be kind of soon as well. We're just not 100% sure how the stars are going to line up, but hopefully they do on that one. Right. Hopefully that's a, that comes true. I know I'm going to check them out. If you haven't seen these two perform together, Believe me, it's a it's an experience to say the least. <laughs> yeah, keeping the keeping the Aussie bogan traditions alive, I think. Mean. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so I want to get into my first official question. I want to ask you if you could tell me a bit about your history, especially in regards to metal. Uh, why did you pick up the bass guitar? Ah, that's a good question, actually. Well, <laughs> me and my uh, brother Daniel shared a bedroom from when we were very young. Uh, so we pretty much had very similar tastes in, like, uh, movies, music, uh, novels, whatever you want to, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, like, even from a young age, um, 
every birthday he would buy me like a, a cool metal shirt and stuff like that. So I, you know, I'd, I'd be tall enough to school when I was, you know, six years old, seven years old with white zombie t-shirts on and, um, and stuff like that. So I was definitely heavily influenced by Dan. And then I think, um, you know, when when you hit your teenage years, you, we we obviously didn't have the same room then, but we uh, we kept it. No, we went into different paths of the music we liked, but still both appreciated each other's tastes. And yeah, was, um, so I think we're um, yeah that, in in that manner, it's been quite um, yeah quite both him and me, you know, been heavily influencing each other and yeah, and what we we listen to or. Even, even movies and, and stuff like that. Like, we both love uh, Stanley Kubrick and David Cronenberg and uh, m- many other famous directors. But, yeah, um, mm. I think that's uh, yeah, that's one of the things where we've been pretty tight as, as mates even since we've been young. So. so was it Dan getting into guitar that made you think, well, maybe I should get into the bass? <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. I think, I think he pretty much... Uh, I think he even... Even like uh, not stole one, but a permanent loan of a guitar, <laughs> of a bass guitar, off one of his mates, and uh, yeah, I, I was always uh, always told to play that. So yeah, and I, I've always enjoyed the instrument too. Like, um, it's probably yeah, like definitely one of my yeah. I, I love the instrument, but yeah, he, he was definitely always wanted me to play along when when he uh, had some new riffs or any new any new ideas that he had or anything. So. <laughs> well. Anybody out there who hasn't seen Red B play, when Jim and Dan get into it, uh, it's just amazing. Those two are all over the stage, but they never run into each other. <laughs> it, but mind you, I still believe you should get wireless uh, p- oh. <laughs> instead of leads. But yeah, that's just my point of view. I'm waiting for one of you to go ass over to it and just get the news that one of you fell off stage. <laughs> I think I think we've been pretty lucky over the years. Actually, the only only real bad one I could ever think was was Dan ran into a hanging PA one day that was hanging off the uh, the stage roof and got a got a pretty decent uh, pretty decent bloody bloody head. Always adding more to the show, but yeah, it was um, <laughs> it was that, quite. I think it was at the old Sando back uh-huh. in the day. So. <laughs> I was going to say that wasn't at Soundwave, was it? Oh no, no, Soundwave, no, that was no, that was a experience all, all one in itself. But. Yeah. How was that experience for you? Like we got Dan's point of view from it and it was a bit closer from when it happened to now. But how was that for you? Oh man, just just amazing, hey, like um yeah, from the moment we arrived there it was just it was a bit surreal, you know, because um, we only found out uh, probably the day before. And I, I only, I, I was down uh, helping my brother in the, um, uh, helping our other brother in one of his pubs. And uh, I got a phone call off Ian, the drummer. And I was walking out and the phone was cutting in and out. And I, all I heard was sound wave. And I was like, oh, no, man, I, I don't have tickets. And then um, by the time I got into good reception, he was like, no, nah, man, get home now. We're playing sound wave. So, yeah, that was... Um, that was pretty cool, actually. It was a pretty good experience. And, so, yeah, like, um, even, like, as well, when we were setting up and just looking across and Testament were on the stage next to us, and me and Dan used to listen to Testament, or still do, but, yeah, it was just like, whoa. Like, <laughs> so it was, um, yeah, it was very cool, very yeah. surreal. 
So you didn't find out to the day or the day before that you were playing Soundwave? Yeah, the day before, yeah. yeah. Oh, we were, wow. Yeah, so it was quite a, um, it was quite a uh, yeah, rush of emotions and everything like that, and it all happened so quick. Like, yeah. Even when we came off stage, it was just like, what the hell just happened? Like, I, I have a few friends that were there and were... Uh, Went there expecting Newstead and were like, it wasn't Newstead, it was this three piece, like, uh, prog metal band from like the Blue Mountains or something someone was saying. And I'm like, yeah, that was Redby. And they were like, they were fucking good. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Oh, that's that's nice to hear, man. Like, yeah, that's really cool. Like, I think we were extremely lucky in this. It was like one of the better spots to be. Um, time, time-wise, the better spots to be on, and stage-wise too. We're on quite one of the bigger stages, and uh, yeah. it was just—I think it was half two. This memory serves me. So the um, the old uh, uh, everyone was having their lunch and stuff like that, which was which our stage backed onto all the oh, not uh, you know looked out onto all the you know all the lunch area and stuff like that. So everyone was there. It was amazing. And you played right before Guar, didn't you? What was that, sorry? Didn't you play right before Gua? Yeah. Yeah, well, they actually gave us an extra five minutes as well. They were really cool. They, oh, um, wow. Yeah, they they were having a, a few... They have to do a lot of setup to protect all the PA and stuff because they, you know, have their blood cannons and everything. <laughs> so, um, uh, they, yeah, they heard we were the local guys and just said, well, give them an extra five minutes and stuff like that. So it was... um. Yeah, it was great. We got to play an extra song, and yeah, that was that was an unexpected surprise to be sure. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So yeah. you mentioned the Sandow before. Uh, where is your favourite venue to play a gig? Oh, that's a that's an awesome question, actually. Um, oh, I don't know. Probably, but, um, I like. I really enjoy the Manning Bar, and that's um. We played there with Protest, not to uh, Protest the Hero, not too long ago. Who, who's one of my favourite all-time bands, um, uh, Manning Bar, or like as far as like Sydney pub venues go, probably the uh, either the Baldface Stag is definitely up there. And um, uh, yeah, I, I hear that the uh, I forget what it's called now, but there used to be the Sando. It's um they've changed the name of it now, but I hear that's the place to play because the old Sando main room used to be definitely one of my favourites like, oh, before that's they cool. yeah, yeah before they yeah they changed it all and yeah, thankfully did. it didn't close. Yeah. yeah, they did heaps of renos to it. I haven't been there yeah. since, but oh uh, yeah, I've heard that they've changed it around. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I heard that, yeah, but um yeah that that room upstairs there was amazing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. What about interstate, like Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide? Have you ever uh, played Perth? I haven't played Perth yet. To, to, yeah, we, we um, we've had the we've been looking into it and had one or two opportunities that have fallen through, but haven't as yet. But up in Queensland, there's um, I think a, a venue called the Crowbar, which we really enjoy. Uh, that's um yeah, it's quite an interesting place. It's got a lot of predator statues and everything like that. So it's quite amazing. <laughs> um, and then uh, down in Melbourne, uh, Melbourne's a funny one. We've played we've played a lot in Melbourne. Um, I don't know. The, yeah, it's uh, even some of the small rooms down there. They're these very 
tiny kind of intimate bars, and they are uh, just absolutely amazing to play in. I, I think one was called the uh, the Blue Lounge we played in in Fitzroy, and uh, yeah, a couple a couple of those small ones are really good, like just amazing, like interesting spot. Like. Huh. Actually, uh, someone, I think it was Andy Dowling from Lord, another bass player, actually said the crowbar, I think. I think oh, he, cool. he said the crowbar. But yeah, yeah, he said the same thing. You just walk in there and it's like a action movie from the 80s. It's just so yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Like, uh, we weren't expecting it at all. We just walked in and we were just like, whoa, wicked. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, Sorry, I lost my place. Uh, no. So, who are your favourite Aussie metal bands, so to speak? Like either from the past or present, and someone that you play with, someone that you want to play with, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Oh, that's a geez, that's an awesome one of my. Uh, well, from the past, I'm not sure if they're still going. There was a band called Damaged. They were amazing. Some of the drumming. And that was just off the chain for 90s and or not, you know, just amazing bands, uh, amazing band they were. I still, um, uh, that's a really good question, actually. I, w- I would definitely say King Parrot's up there on the top of my list, which is um, you know, who we spoke about earlier. But they're uh, just from their video clips all the way through to their their albums. It's just really, yeah, I'm really digging what they're doing and um, got a lot of respect for them. Um, yeah, and yeah, they're, they're definitely uh, probably in my yeah, two. I'm just trying to think. Oh, we, um, yeah, no, they're, they're great. There's some, there's definitely so much, such a big pool of Australian talent as well. That's the it's like them. I, I actually made myself a year ago only listen to Aussie stuff for about a year, and um. Yeah, it was very interesting just how how into it you can, you know, how, how much there is out there and just how the amazing quality of um, really unrecognized bands and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, even uh, a, few, a few fun ones like uh, uh, Not Another Sequel, Just Another Prequel. They're a really cool, fun band. I actually did a fill-in show with them for Halloween and they're a great, great bunch of guys. Um I noticed yeah. that you happen to wear a lot of their shirts while you play. Oh, cool! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do actually. I love their. Uh, I just love their 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 concept behind the whole thing. I think it's uh, yeah, and yeah, just super cool guys as well. So, um, yeah, they only live, they live about an hour away, so it's nice. We always get to hang out and see each other's shows and make sure we support each other as much as we can. So, it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, what about uh, acoustic metal? What about uh, Fez Fickle? Oh, oh, Fez. Oh, oh man, he's he's one of my favourites. Hey, he's just an amazing cat. Oh, yeah. Such uh, such a good person. And then his music is just... Uh, I, I was really worried because he said he wasn't doing anything um, anymore. And yeah. then that ended up only being a year hiatus and now he's He's back into it with a vengeance. I think his yeah. first show back was Halloween, actually. Yeah. And um, oh, just what a what a guy, what a voice. Uh, you know, I've, I've known first for a few years. He was actually at my wedding and at my daughter's baptism. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, he's a 
He's a cool cat. Yeah, he's a a great dude. I've got a lot of love for that man. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Uh, Big shout out to Fez because he's he's just a yeah, he's he's a real and really a very strongly opinionated dude with opinion that you can trust. (laughs) (laughs) So it's cool. I've got to admit, the first time that I ever met him, I thought he was bald until he turned around, and then I was like, what the. <laughs> Those That's people who are out there who haven't met him, Fez says like four foot like braids at the back of his head, but coming off one tiny little spot. Oh man, it's insane! Hey? It's so cool. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah, I like it. I like it. He's a good dude. He's a really nice guy. Uh, so what is your best or worst experience in a metal show? Like, what have you ever experienced that has made you go, fuck, I never want to do that again? Or, oh, shit, that was great. <laughs> oh, that's a, good, that's a very, very good question, actually. Um, probably the, I don't know, I would want to keep it positive. I don't think I've had too many negative experiences. Like, um, but, yeah, uh, I'm just trying to think. Like, um uh, some of the guys out in Canberra, they do some amazing things. I can remember they're just um, at the basement out there. They're very accommodating cats and stuff like that and always love to support the crew. And yeah, they um, uh, one night there was a, a bloke who was pretty three sheets to the wind, shall we say, and uh, me and Dan don't drink. So uh, he uh, he was desperate to buy a shot. So, and the uh, the... Uh, like uh, one of the bar managers, I think he now owns the basement. Um, he uh, he knew the GO and just to, to shut old mate up, he brought up a, a tray of shots for us, but uh, one shot for Dunny and then he gave me and Dan a, a shot of milk each. So <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that was a, that was a pretty cool, um, exactly. yeah, pretty cool thing to do. And uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you just not a big drinker, or do you, have you had bad experiences, or do you just like yeah, not no, drink? Yeah, I kind of stopped it about. I like, especially when playing, but just in life in general, just kind of keep my wits about me and stuff like that. And yeah, I stopped about yeah a year and a bit ago now. So I used to be a pretty heavy drinker, but yeah, not anymore. Like it's um yeah and got got rid of that. And cause, um our family's always owned. Hotels, me and Dan, well, we all grew up in pubs and stuff like that, all of our family. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, you know, we've always had it around us, so it's quite nice just to, to not like anymore. I just asked because uh, I don't drink either, and it's mainly because I was a pretty heavy drinker and, yeah, just kind of had to stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's... Um, it's a, yeah, it's a, oh, that's cool, man. I didn't realise that. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing, I think. You know, and I, I'm uh, far from a dry drunk or anything. But you know, I don't, I don't judge anyone for doing it. I think it's you know, do what you want to do. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. So yeah. I asked Dan this, and he wouldn't answer because he said uh, I think the specific of it were it was too long a story. But uh, and it was a boring one. But I still want to know. I really want to know. Where did the name Red Bee come from? <laughs> oh, that's cool, man. Oh, to tell you the honest truth, it's been around for so long. Like, um, I can't even really like. 
piece it all together. Oh, I can remember to tell you the honest truth would be that it was like one word in a verse lyric of a song and it was like, oh, that's cool. And I don't even know how it got from being a uh, a verse lyric to the, the band name, but um, I could just remember thinking that it was very cool as a verse lyric of a, of a song that Daniel wrote. So he, I don't know if he's trying to hide anything or what's going on there, but he, uh, uh, yeah, so I don't, I, I don't even know how it made the transition from being a you know, lyric to being our actual name of our band. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, it's, um, it's a cool one. Cause he, he did play with some guys when he was fairly young, and that's when he wrote that. But, um, yeah, I, I joined the band, and I think the, the name had already, yeah, started to become, that's the one they were going to keep when I joined, and, and we started playing shows, and that's the one we used. So. <laughs> Pretty, pretty unexciting. There's a lot, a lot of cooler stories behind band names. <laughs> oh, it works, it works, it fits. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's so, awesome. when Donny joined the band, what year was that? Well, um, I, I, I think it was 07 or 08. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, because he's either been with us for eight years or seven years at the moment, so... Uh, well, it was definitely before uh, around '07 because you played at the Presley Park Festival with friends with Rom with Donny. Yes, that's right. Yeah, we and did that too. Was November 2007. That's right. It was like, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, right. Oh, far out. <laughs> I organised that festival, so, or I helped organise that festival. So, I, I wish it. Yeah, <laughs> I knew the yeah. lineup pretty well, but. Uh, when he joined the band, did it feel like, because that's been, like you said, the members for about seven or eight years now, did that feel like a paradigm shift almost? Like you just knew the band was going to keep getting a high gear now? or Yeah, pretty much instantly. Like he, um, I can remember he came for our, uh, well, not, well, we met him at a, at a you know, at a club um, playing playing a show and he mentioned to us, if you ever need another drummer, um, don't be afraid to, to give me a buzz and stuff like that. And then I think it was a year later, we came back with a different drummer who was one of Dan's friends and uh, he was all, why the fuck didn't you call me? So um, we, uh, that, that drummer who's uh, one of our good mates uh, left and um, we, we straight away called Dunn and yeah, he was... Um, he was keen as mustard, and I think he came to. Uh, I think it was like a month or so after we got into contact with him. He came up for. A, um, well, we went out to him actually to his folks' house of all places, um, in the middle of Orange for a practice for a rehearsal, and he'd already memorised um, uh, three three or four tracks, just had them all down pat, and then uh, like could play them the way they were recorded. And then had a few of his own ideas, and it was just like, yeah, this is uh, this is going to work. And him and me are pretty similar in, in age, so we we got along like a house on fire straight away. And um, yeah, it's just been just been all going blazing ever since. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I love on your last album, Ictus, uh, on the deluxe edition, the USB edition. I love that for a fact for the first part, the fact that it was on USB. But I uh-huh. love that you have tutorials on how to play all of your uh-huh. stuff on that, or not all of it, but some of the songs on there. Definitely, yeah. That was 
yeah, that was a great um a great thing to get a be a, be a part of and do. Like it was, I'd, we'd never really done or thought of doing anything like that. So yeah, it was um that was awesome. Like really enjoyed that actually. What's the name of the song with the great run, the beige one in it? I can't remember. Sorry. I've got a really uh, bad memory when it comes to song titles. I can remember like what number in the set what was played or whatever. I'm just saying that. I, I remember, yeah, I'll be like, yeah, it's on uh, Vulgar Display of Power track five. Or, <laughs> that's yeah, I think love, by the way. So yeah, that's, that's my favourite like, song of all time. So. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, uh, yeah, I think it was. Um, uh, I think actually that's Angelo's School of Arms. Yes, it, it is. So, yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> as soon as you said it, I'm like, "Yep, I know." Because yep. I, I I'm a bass player as well. I tried doing oh. it, and I'm like, "Nope, fuck it." Oh. Good <laughs> Too good. Oh, it's cool, man. It's very nice. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't the fact that it was too hard. It's just more the fact that I'm pretty rusty. So I was like, yeah, no, nah, screw it. I'll build up to it and play it one day. <laughs> that's cool, man. No, that's, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun and stuff, actually. I um, Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great song. That's one of my favourites. Um, I, I love it when you guys play it live, too. It always goes uh, off. You uh, and Dan yeah. are just like, yeah, it's like the Flash and <laughs> Superman running on stage, pretty much, just from <laughs> one side to the other. You just never stop. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. I think yeah, it's one of the few songs that Dan isn't tied down by the uh, microphone, yeah. so he um he gets a chance to to yeah stretch his legs too. Yeah. <laughs> I've, you, always, I've always <laughs> said that Red B should invest in an industrial size fan for Donny. Because when, when he gets off stage, he's lost about three kilos of sweat. Oh, man, you're, you're exactly right, Mike. And he does some practice and everything, but he's never uh, we've never really brought... Well, I think once or twice we got into bringing them live and somehow they just ended up in pieces and trashed. <laughs> so I think, you know, one of us obviously used it as a, a prop or a, uh, a you know, a, um ego stand or something like that and it didn't come back from the show. <laughs> ego riser, I should say. <laughs> so, so, Jim, uh, what appeals you to metal? This is one of the most eclectic questions I have and probably one of the border questions I have, but what appeals you to it? Why do you love it? Oh, yeah, that's a good question, man. Um, I don't know. I think it's the like freedom of expression, you know, and being able to to just yeah, because no one was never there's never been a um like a set plan of what we want to write or how we want to sound. It's all just pretty much happened organically. So I think that's the whole thing, like. No matter what anyone brings to the table, it's always, you know, welcomed with open arms and stuff like that. Always, obviously, some things don't make the cut, like any in any art, you know, like if it's if it's not up to scratch, it's not going on an album or going just, you know, or we're not gonna, um, you know, like pursue it. But I think that's the whole thing of just, you know, no, and there's no judgment or anything like that. The guys and yeah, we're all just pretty much, you know, just happy to to create and be creative all together. Like, I think I think that's definitely, like, a massive draw card for me. It's like, um, 
yeah, and, and like yeah, be it in yeah, like the music as an art, or, or even you know, just like you know, me, me and Dunn get pretty stuck into to painting and stuff like that, which we're doing a lot of lately, and just um, yeah, and just doing different aspects of anything that we can, you know, filming stuff, uh, photographing stuff, and um, yeah, obviously music and vocals, and we all write lyrics. We all, you know, and me and Dunn are. Uh, should be singing a fair bit more on this new album, um, so it's um, yeah, it's going to just add extra dynamics and stuff that way, extra um, textures, which should be really good. But uh, yeah, I, don't, I think that's the thing, just having complete and utter yeah freedom like that. Yeah, oh, makes me cool. Yeah, so it makes it with the yeah. new album. Where are you going to record it? The same place. Well, no, we don't know to tell you the honest truth. We still haven't made that decision as yet. We're, um, yeah, we're going to, we're going to definitely, because we, we recorded our EP and full length with uh, uh, the mighty Clayton Segboff at the Brain in, um, in Surrey Hills. And then that last uh, two track EP we released, we recorded with Dylan Mitrovich. Um, and he's just amazing as well. But he's ultra busy at the moment. But I think we're going to go around and really, really try and pick a, a good, comfortable space for us all, and you know, do us do do what we can ourselves in the way of um, yeah, just in the way of editing and stuff like that. But yeah, just pick pick a producer who's who's on the same page, and yeah, um, yeah, I think we've got to get got to start really looking at that. But we have definitely haven't we're definitely a fair way off making our decision. That's for sure. Okay. But, so is there any timeline that we can expect the album or is it like just a plan at the moment? No, I'd say we should be in the studio like early next year. So like in the like March, not March, God, February, March, I would say. Like, um, but um, yeah, that's, that's our, that's our kind of like, um, yeah, that's kind of uh, definitely tentative, and we're penciling that in. But we're we're moving a lot faster than we used to. We're right, like writing writing wise and stuff like that. So it's been, yeah, it's quite quite a good. Like it's been very, um, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's going to be good. I think a lot healthier uh, way of writing music. Oh, not healthier, but different the way to to what we used to write. We're trying a few different techniques and just being very open and making things move as quick as we can to get, yeah, to get a final product. Right. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah. Have you ever had writer's block like, when it comes to writing music for Red Bay? Definitely, yeah, definitely. How, like, did, you, yeah. how did you overcome it? Um, I always think that going out and seeing as much live music as possible is very, like, healthy thing to do and listening to as many different albums as you can as well um but uh i don't know like yeah i feel you always find inspiration in the last possible place that you would ever think to um like yeah i'm like we, yeah i've i've gotten inspired from you know even i don't sound silly like being pissed off about something gets you can get you inspired being and being happy about things as well like um yeah, but I, yeah, I, I often find that like yeah, good, good, even a great film can just make me like the next day I'll be like, oh, that's cool, and trying to have that in my mind while I'm creating a a riff or a um or a vocal line, or it just always depends. Like a, 
it's always different too, which I think is kind of exciting. It's a, yeah, like a, yeah, it's a funny one, that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but it's good, yeah. It's, um, yeah, and I think being able to have that relationship where we can just bounce any any idea off each other and not be worried about judgment or, or that's not heavy enough or that's not the red B sound or anything like that. You know, we just, anything goes. I think that's a real, real healthy way to be. Like, and it keeps things organic. Yeah. <laughs> Which is um, probably what we stick to more than anything. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, my next question is a unique one. It's a unique one because I've actually asked your brother this question and it'll be interesting to go back and listen to the episode that he was on. Although one of his interviews got lost, I believe. He he did two and one got lost. And oh, can, no. The <laughs> lost uh, interview. That sounds kind of cool, actually. Yeah, yeah if I find it one day, I will release it. I will release it. Uh, it was uh, more half the interview got lost. Actually, it was his uh, vocals got lost because oh, it was in two separate files. My vocals, his vocals, and uh, the one with his vocals got lost in a hard drive or a CD or something like that, or it got deleted. I'm not sure, but I couldn't no. find it, and it never oh. got released. But um, the one the question I'm going to ask is what music did your parents listen to was oh it, wow was it like did it influence you at all do you listen to it still did you listen to it back then oh that's a that's an interesting one well our our mother is like um well i i don't know she's not obsessed or anything but she's a pretty big elvis presley fan so <laughs> she loves the king so it's um yeah, that's I don't know if that would I don't know if I'd say that influenced us at all, but it's um it you know, it may have shaped us in some unknown way or something, the the velvet voice or <laughs> but he uh yeah, um uh, and uh dad, funnily enough, dad's a uh ex Air Force, you know, a brass man and stuff like that. Pretty tough old sucker. And he uh he, yeah, he, so he listens to like it's quite funny, he's like uh, like all the, he didn't. I wouldn't. I would definitely wouldn't be able to tell you what Dad's favorite band or anything was. But he, I know the music he loves is like all kind of that, uh, um, like old, very old school kind of um, like oh, I don't even know what it, what the what the genre is called. It's like um, yeah, just he's a. Yeah, he's a strange. Like he loves the Goonies and stuff. Like not the movie, like like the old radio show and stuff like that. He loves that kind of thing and cheeky humour and stuff like that. I think I think that's uh, definitely been more of an influence to us than than him as a like than than him as a uh, than his, the music that he would have listened to. Just his um, he's a he's a very. You know, he's a very funny cat, but he's very like extremely humorous and um, and uh, yeah, and good yeah, good laugh and stuff like that. So, um, and, but yeah, Mum's definitely Elvis Presley, a hundred percent. Like, um, yeah, so I'm just I'm giggling because I can think of all the shockers that they listen to <laughs> as well. So I think I think they may have influenced us by 
us not listening to anything that they did, like, because you know, like, um, yeah, yeah. But there are, yeah, they're they're cool. They're very cool. We're, we're very lucky with um with them, and they've always been um, very supportive of any artistic project or anything like that. Ever, ever since we were young, they um, yeah. So it's, it's very very lucky, and um, but always pushed you as well. You know, there's. Like they, they, they always want you to be the best at what you do, and so we, um, yeah, we always try and try and do that, you know. Yeah. Not that you, not that you can be the best at art, <laughs> 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 like, but um, you know what I mean, like um, the best bass player that you can be, like yeah. to fulfil your own, yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh, that's cool. That's a very good question. Man. I like that one. <laughs> that's a very good Usually, I get well. They listen to this. Not, yep, not. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you've actually thought about the answer and gave me a good answer, which is, I like that. Um, uh, further on into that, like I actually do remember Dan mentioning Elvis, but I also remember him mentioning the fact that you grew up in hotels and things like that with jukeboxes, and so you're around a lot of different music all the time. That's 100% right, yeah. Like I can, yeah, I can remember our sister dancing to Uptown Girl from by Billy Joel and stuff like that. She had like a whole routine worked out to that when we were young. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I can I can remember the different youth boxes over time which we had and always getting updated and stuff like that. And yeah, so yeah, that was a, an extra yeah. We you know, and of course it always had the token Motley Crue song on there and the um, <laughs> like. Is it hot so, for yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, poor old Warren with their uh, cherry pie, but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, yeah, we've been very lucky in that sense of just always having a lot of different different flavors of music and stuff like that around us. Like even our eldest brother, me and Dan, have a, a older brother, and I, we have a sister who's in between us who I was just talking about um but our eldest brother was uh growing up he was a massive Beatles fan and um when me and Dan were young we would be like no like that's the world of metal now in the future like it's funny right? now I look, I look back and I listen to the Beatles now and I'm like far out this is you know we love the I yeah I love Beatles I love any type of music I don't I wouldn't say it's you, you know something I listen to all the time but I um yeah, yeah it's just funny how 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 things change over time like that. So, <laughs> open to when I was younger, my mum was a uh, huge Blondie fan, and uh, and when I was younger, I used to think, oh Blondie, because uh, I would listen to other people and I'd be like, oh they're just this shitty band. Then I actually sat down and listened to them for the first time, and I'm like, oh they're good, they're really fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> and Deborah cool. Harry was hot. <laughs> yes, yes. Bloody <laughs> oath, man. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, yeah. Like, it's the same with me. My my dad listens to like Bob Dylan and Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple and Black Sabbath and all those classic heavy metal hard rock bands like Uriah Heep and all them. Oh, wow. Whereas cool. my mum listens to like BGs and ABBA and things like that. And I'm like, I don't really like them. I can respect the contribution to the music industry, but they can yeah. stay with you. 
I'm going to listen yeah. to that track. <laughs> That's so cool. That's really cool. So yeah. I grew up in a house with both ends of the spectrum. Then you had me and my sister in the middle who, like, I was listening to, like, Suffocation and Decapitated and things like Wicked. that. And she was listening to, like, Killswitch and Slipknot and things like that. So <laughs> I, I, we had um, the entire eclectic mix in the house. Yeah, yeah, full bite, the full spectrum. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> That's really cool, actually. Yeah, uh, I like that. Yeah. So the only true international question that I'm going to ask, uh, and but oh, I've, I think I've swayed towards international questions earlier in the interview, but this is the only outright international question. <laughs> Who are your international influences? Whoa, um, and only uh, international, not Australian. No Aussies. Well, I would say definitely, um, Faith No More would have to be quite high on the list. Um, one of our one of our big favourites. So, um, uh, for me as well, like massive Primer fan when I was younger and in school. That was like just yeah. Um, Dillinger uh, Escape Plan more recently have been a massive influence upon us. Um, and, oh, who else could I say that, that I think would, that I've actually been influenced by? Um, I think tone-wise and stuff like that, tone, a lot a lot of our, um, or a lot of my bass tones and stuff like that were actually like, moulded upon from a bit of Tool and a bit of Rage Against the Machine, mm. kind of a mixture halfway between those guys. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, obviously both some of my favourite acts that are and then like me and Dan used to listen to a lot of grunge as well like uh, uh, Soundgarden uh, was a big favourite and uh, Stone Temple Pilots as well um, but uh, yeah basically anything that uh, good old Mike Patton's touched we all love so like your Tomahawks and Phantomas and uh, um, Mr Bungle Mr Bungle is big and very big one and uh, I'd I just have to have to always put it in there for for like it's a, it's the truest quote of anything. Don't trust anyone unless they unless they like Slayer. They're definitely definitely just a, an amazing you know influence, and you can still burn, you can still chuck on one of those old old records, or, 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 you know, and it's just. Um, just stuff were written in the eighties and that early in the eighties still blows my mind. Like it would have scared the absolute crap out of people back then. You know, it still still does now. But yeah, yeah so that's so what, amazing. That's what I always <laughs> say to people. I'm like before Metallica and Slayer and Anthrax and Megadeth, the the heaviest thing around was Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath, yeah, exactly, yeah. man. Exactly. And when they came on the scene it was like, What the fuck did I just die and go to hell? Like, <laughs> Because there's a young band that I actually help uh, mentor and produce in in Bateman's Bay called Terravorous. And uh, I um, was saying to them, because they were like, oh, yeah, and typically young people, they were saying, oh, Metallica aren't even that heavy anymore. Anymore. (laughs) Sure, when you've got things like fucking decapitated and Dillinger yeah. escape plan and all that shit going on and they are is murder going on right yeah. around the corner 
But like, yep. think about it. Back in the early eighties, when they were the first band on the scene, there was nothing like that ever heard. Not exactly right, man. Nothing anywhere that he had that speed or that um, ferocity and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly right, man. Like, <laughs> I, I still, I, I still love Metallica. Apart from the uh, their last venture with uh, Lulu, uh, everything <laughs> apart from that, I'm like I, 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 I'm not even afraid to say it. I, I, I enjoyed Saint Anger as an album. I still like that album, and I love the whole. The, the horrible big story behind it. <laughs> I have to admit, I even like San Diego to some extent. Yeah, exactly. It has, its, it has its moments. I hate that it gets ragged on so badly. Yeah, I think I think it, yeah, it's become it's almost become a cliche to rag on it now. But it's, um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's quite funny. And uh, yeah, they're, they're um, yeah, what yeah, amazing cats. Uh, it's cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what do you think of Slayer's new album, Repentless? Oh, I tell you the honest truth, I haven't, I haven't even had a chance to to listen to it as yet. I haven't come. Oh, really? um, no, not at all. I feel, I feel quite bad about that and and out of the loop. But yeah, I, I can remember I listened to the uh, one of the tracks that was first released of it. Which would um, be Repentless. Oh, cool! It's a title track is it? Like, yeah. And uh, yeah, I was very impressed by that. Like, I think it's um, yeah, I think that well, Kerry's definitely still got it. That's for sure. And Tom, um, Araya, he's um, he's they're just such yeah, interesting guys. Actually, really interesting. Like, uh, I I I find Tom Araya's lyrics. Um, not so much his, his vocal prowess, but his uh, his lyrics in themselves are just very cool. Very um, yeah, they you know they make you almost think in pictures and stuff like that to me, like which is yeah an interesting thing. Yeah, I've, but, I've listened to the album from start to finish, and like there might be a few people that go, "Oh, what the hell," and get angry at me, but I'm gonna say it's number two, right behind Rain Blood, as their yeah. best albums. Oh, that's cool, man. Actually, that's cool. I, I will actually. I, I just got given an iTunes voucher, so I might have to uh, to download that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure because I haven't seen a physical version of it, and I haven't seen a booklet or anything. But I think it might be the first album. Obviously, he's not alive anymore. But I, I don't think Jeff Hanneman wrote any of the songs on the album, or it had anything yeah. to do with the songs on the album. Oh, okay, very interesting. Yeah. So it would be the first one without him. And it's the first time they've. It's still Slayer. It's still very obviously Slayer, but it's just like a new version of oh, Slayer, cool. if you know what I mean. It's yep, just, yeah. Like, they haven't reinvented themselves. They've just expanded themselves a little bit. That's cool. Oh, man. Oh, uh, yeah. Because I, I got a lot of respect for Kerry King. He's, uh, he's an amazing cat. Like, you know, very, yeah, just very cool dude. Very interesting guy, and um, yeah. but um, oh, cool! I, I can't wait to yeah, can't wait to get him to give that a spin. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned uh, Tool and Rage before, and you mentioned Slayer, but uh, would in order from five to one, would you be able to give me your top five international bands or your top five bands? Fuck international, they can be Australian <laughs> as well. Ah, cool, top five cool. bands. Oh, that's a that's a good one, man. Ooh. Oh, geez. And you're allowed to say Red B. 
<laughs> That's cool. Uh, no, I wouldn't be that much of a lover, I don't think. But, <laughs> but um, uh, well, uh, oh god, I'd probably if I, I don't know. Hey, that's a hard one, man. Because yeah, like uh, uh, Mr. Bungle, I'll definitely put in that list. Um, and, and Faith No More, definitely. Um. Oh God, this this five's just not enough. <laughs> um, Turn it to ten if you want, but that might make it a little bit harder. <laughs> yeah, touche. Oh, it's hard as is. Faith no more. We'll see. Bloody my cat and cropped up twice already, which is terrible. Oh. Um, <laughs> even though we love him, um, uh, I'm just trying to think. Um, yeah, probably. Uh, I'd have to put in Dillinger. They're like definitely been a big uh, influence on me, and yeah, everything from yeah, I, I love that band. Um, uh, yeah, Dillinger. I don't know. I'd probably. Oh God, I'm just having a having a conniption here. <laughs> uh, Mr. Vungle, Faith No More, Dillinger. Um, one one band I might have to just chuck in there because I really enjoy them is Protest the Hero. Um, it's definitely one of my favourite bands. Um, and uh, ooh, do, 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 uh, yeah, I might put in uh, Sickest as well, like probably to round it out. Like, um, what was that? Sorry, Sickest. 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 I can never say it. Sickest or Six. Um, they're like a, they're a pommy band and they got oh, the two okay. vocalists and they're um, yeah they're quite amazing they did like Bland Street Bloom is probably one of their more fav- famous songs oh, um, yep, yep. I know yeah, who you're talking about now yeah, and they've just recently gotten back together which I was jumping at joy jumping at joy over <laughs> but yeah see um, but uh, oh, and, oh god because uh, every time I die is another uh, band uh, uh, vocally and music musically but definitely vocally I just adore like I reckon there uh, his lyrics and just the way he writes is really good oh god see that's that's six isn't it shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, I'd love to drink in Lamb of God um, <laughs> you might as well go for the ten you've got seven <laughs> Uh, um, uh, Lamb of God. Uh, who else? Well, I used to. Oh, I, yeah, I'd have to give him, give him the props. Is um, uh, Zach Wild's Black Label Society. I love that. I used to be like that's just really cool stuff. Like just an interesting concept and just a cool band. I always thought like the way it all works and you know it's not it's never the same band, but it's always just, it's just the the. Uh, you know, the thing as a whole and members come and go, but it doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> as long as that's still there. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> we saw them once at the end more. They were, that was amazing. It was more of a, it felt like uh, going to go watch the wrestling uh, <laughs> more so than, than watching a band. It was really cool. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, see, then I'd have to pop in definitely Soundgarden. And uh, if I was to say any Aussie band, I would have to say um, Silverchair. Just because that album diorama is just still, I, I pop that on every now and then, and that blows my mind. Just how ahead of its time I think. I actually think if it was released now, it would have been like ginormous. But it, um, yeah, just them in, in general, they're really, yeah. Daniel Johns is quite an amazing, amazing dude, and um, yeah, quite an amazing. Uh, That's uh, awesome. 
Yeah, and I wasn't on the expecting the silver chair. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd mix it up a bit at the end. <laughs> yeah, I just wasn't expecting a bit. Now that you say, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, I, I, yeah. I really, yeah, I really like that band. Especially, yeah, some of their later stuff when it's starting to get a bit weirder and softer and yeah, just interesting, interesting music. Well, it was uh, like, yeah. uh, I think it was Family Guy made the joke, what if Kurt Cobain was still alive? And then they uh, had him on the thing, and it was pretty much Daniel Johns. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, he would have gone too far with it. Yeah, too far. He would have cleaned himself up and started singing melodically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he would have lost his growl. <laughs> or grunge voice. <laughs> <laughs> But then again, he could have uh, just discarded the band and gone Chris Cornell way in oh, 20 years later, he... came back, and then they're better than ever. Oh, man. He's just, like, oh, amazing dude, hey? Like, I, I love his solo albums. I love all of Soundgarden's albums. Uh, such an amazing band. Like, what do you uh, think that... of Audio Slave? I, I enjoyed it actually. Like a couple of those, yeah. I, I actually really, I said no. I should say enjoyed their first album the most, and that that first video clip with the freaking fireworks and that yeah. was just off the chain. Yeah. But, um, um, I heard they all got arrested after that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, they uh, yeah they that they were, they were brilliant. What a combo of of the super groups. That was probably the only one I ever thought worked. It's Probably pretty cool not. the way it, the way it happened. Uh, Tom Morello actually talked about it in an interview. It was actually orchestrated by Rick Rubin, of all people. And, wow. Because uh, the first Audio Slave album was meant to be the fifth Rage Against the Machine album, the sixth Rage Against the Machine album. And cool. Rick Rubin was meant to be the producer. But Zach was like, no, nah, I'm leaving the band. So he oh left my. the band. And they were going to just get a new lead singer and bring out a new Rage album. And then cool. Chris came in. They suggested, uh, Rick actually suggested Chris come in. So he came in to do it. And then um, pretty much Tom Morello said, uh, no, it doesn't feel like Rage at all. And they came up with a new name and a new title and everything. Oh, and Audio Save was born. Oh, that's so, that's really cool. I did not know that. Yeah. Buddy Rick Rubin, he's a he's a master man. He's a, I and I hear he actually has a very fragrant beard, which yeah. is quite funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's a, oh man, that's very oh that's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do I do audio slave. Yeah, it's funny, yeah. funny stuff. Yeah. I've got all their albums, even uh, the one that's criticised, which is Revelations, has been the worst, which is their final album. I actually think it's pretty good. It has its moments where it gets really good. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They are. Yeah, his his voice, of course, is just amazing. But yeah, it's it's interesting. It's great to see. Yeah, the guys from Rage kind of take a few different directions like that. Like, get, you know, not be so ragey anymore. So it was, yeah, it's yeah. it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what kind of gear do you use? What what brand is your base? I know I've seen it before. I know it's very uh, unique to you. Let's just say that. Uh, what, what brand is it? Well, actually, yeah, I was always obsessed with Allison Chains, so I had to get a G and L. Yeah, so I play G and L bases. 
<laughs> which are yeah, beautiful, one of my favourites. I'm actually about to update though, and I'm kind of in a in a yeah conundrum as to what to get next. But yeah, I always play through GNLs. They're my favourites. I've got a couple of Stingrays and a fair few Fenders and stuff like that. But live, I always use my GNL, which is nicknamed Moose. Funnily enough, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, um, I use. Uh, uh, I've got um, yeah, I just use MPEG fridges and and uh, GK heads or whatever I can get my hands on. Pretty much depends. Sometimes on tour we don't really get to pick our cabs as much, but I've always kind of got I've got a few different tried and true just uh, bombproof heads. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. do you use the uh, GK seven hundred RB? Uh no, I got a one thousand and one. I always use. Oh so. wow. Yeah, yeah, they're cool. But, you know, for what they are, they're just a really cool, like, really good bomb-proof product. I've, yeah, they'll yeah, have I've a said that. on you. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've only once ever blown a fuse in it, and that was playing out in Orange. <laughs> of it's got really weird power supplies out there, and the town's a bit... Um, yeah, you know, there's they have a lot of power surges and stuff like that out there. I think we just blew up one show out there. Yeah, it was quite what, funny. Which <laughs> venue was it? The Vic? I think so, yeah. <laughs> it does not surprise me. They haven't changed that stage since, like, the pub was built, I think. <laughs> I've played on that stage, like, over 50 times, and, yeah, it's never changed. Oh, that's uh, yeah. I must admit, <laughs> we've played out there so often. We um and yeah, it's always been you all cramped up on that little stage with the bloody handrail and the <laughs> it's <laughs> and hilarious. The, the cutoffs adapt right at the front. Like seriously, why isn't it a square? It's got that weird yeah. cutoff bit, and then you're like, oh yeah. shit. That's always the, the side I'm standing as well, yeah. You yeah. bloody roll your ankle down it and stuff. And you've, if you've got more than three members in your band, two of them are always standing off stage. Yeah. <laughs> when, the, when the OXO in Orange decided to uh, put a venue upstairs, I was so happy when I saw the stage. I'm like, oh, my God, it's big. It's <laughs> big. <laughs> yeah. That's, that was a great. That's a great venue up there. I heard though it's closed down. So oh, really? <laughs> I haven't been. To, I haven't been to Orange in over a year. I've still got family who live up there, but I've been there in ages, so I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah, excuse me. I got getting over the cold at the moment. So. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, man. Yeah, all good. All good. Um. Yeah, no, I, li- I like Orange. Yeah, it's, uh, we haven't been, we haven't played out there in a long time yet, actually. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was it's... actually going to hit you guys up to come Bayman's Bay when you're ready to uh, do oh. and play a show. Oh, cool, cool. Where at? Uh, Bayman's Bay. It's down the south coast of New South Wales. Oh, sick! Yeah, that, yeah. That, yeah well, we're always up for going anywhere, man. Like. We love it. <laughs> I run a uh, monthly heavy music night, which means like metal, punk, hardcore, things like that. I call oh, period cool. every month. Uh, actually had Cancer Bats from Canada come through oh. and play for me the other month. And wow. I uh, like Clowns and Segression and a few others come through. So, yeah. 
Dude, that's yeah. Wow, that's, man. That's, to that's me, cool. I, I really want to get you guys and Breaking Orbit from Sydney. Ah, cool. I reckon cool. that would just be a lineup to fucking go off. Oh, man, they they are an amazing band, actually. They're just oh, like definitely mind blowing. But yeah. um, yeah, I really enjoy them. Uh, yeah, that's cool. That's really cool, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got both their albums and their new album, which is called Trans... Uh, I get tongue-tied when I... I think it's called Transcension. It's yeah. just... It's great. It's From start to finish, it's just great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'll have to... Yeah, because Dylan, who we last recorded with, he's, he used to be in the band, and I think his brother still plays bass for them, if I'm right. I'm not... Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, and he recorded that album, so, yeah. Oh, okay. It's, yeah, it's, um, yeah, interesting, small world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so we're wrapping up the interview now, and I've got uh, a couple more questions left for you, and they're just pretty generic ones. The last one's a little bit fun, but uh, the first one is, uh, do you have any social media plugs like Facebook, Twitter for you and the band, uh, Instagram, YouTube, website, whatever? Yeah, well, we've got um, uh, our Instagrams, Red Bee Music. Um, that's going. We, we're always uploading silly stuff onto there, which we love. And same as our Facebook page. Uh, Twitter, Twitter, we've got, man, tell you the honest Twitter, we haven't gotten into that much, but we, um, I know we're, we're just being lazy on it. So uh, we've got to got to get into doing that again and um yeah no that's basically it like our big cartel is where all our merch is and um yeah all of our all of our stuff's available on itunes and a few yeah a few of those type places so that's yeah. awesome are there any more ictus deluxe available or are they all sold out they have at the moment sold out but i know for a fact that we're getting another uh Another batch made up. So. <laughs> That's awesome. I've actually got one sitting here. It's, oh, uh, cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It's like a, uh, a rectangle USB, and you flip a little bit out, and you plug it in, and it's got videos, music, lyrics, everything. Everything, yeah. Yeah, it's cool, actually. That, um, that was a... Yeah, it was a really good idea. I thought doing all that and getting uh, getting into you know just a wave. Like I love having CDs, and I always love you know getting a new album on CD. But um, yeah, I think that's uh, I definitely a, a, a way of moving forward now into USBs and stuff like that. And yeah. you can fit so much stuff on there and extra videos, video clips, and so yeah. yeah. Uh, whose idea was it? I think. To tell you the honest truth, we have a we have a a, a guy uh, who's from Western Australia, um, uh, Stormtrooper Matt. <laughs> Big shout out to Matt Cullen. <laughs> he, uh, he's uh, he, he's he's um he's like our he's our manager slash you know he's I, I have a hell of an ideas man. Um, just him and his crew out there at uh, Cohen and Partners. Which is a, like a, a advertising firm and stuff like that. They just they they work kind of like their little pet project, and they just always want us to do. Um, yeah, they they always have these amazing ideas of things to release, and you know, not not all of them we do, and um, but some of them are just absolutely cracking ideas that we. Yeah, so I'd say he he was definitely a heavy hand in it, in the idea of it, and I think you know the content wise on it, we all kind of 
um, pulled together and yeah, just knew what we wanted. Right. Oh, awesome. So, uh, the official last question of the interview is uh, I ask everybody this question I have from the very first episode to now. Uh, it's a multiple choice uh, question, and you get to pick one of the four. Uh, it's A, ask me any question you want. Uh, B, B asks a really strange or weird question by me. C, give me the quote of the week for next week's show. Or D, give me the song of the week for this week's show. Whoa. Whoa. So, what was C again? Give you the quote of the week. Quote of the week for next week's show. And, <laughs> and what that is, is I end the show saying that quote. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, my God. I don't even know. Um, I ask you a weird question. Be asked a weird question. I think I've been asked enough questions. Um, <laughs> 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 no, I'm joking. But, um, uh, oh, man. Um, uh Oh, I'm just trying to think of a good quote. I, I, I'd always, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real sucker for, for awesome quotes. Um, <laughs> um, well, yeah. Um, uh, no, actually, I'll go, I'll go with, I'll go with the one. Why don't, why don't you ask me a, a weird question? That's fine. I think that's really cool. I think that's really good. <laughs> Weirder the better. Uh, now, usually I always come up with them on the spot. I never uh, pre-approve the question or whatever. And then they're never to do with music. They're just really weird questions. Or strange. Um, I'm loving it. Oh, I'm just trying to think of one. It takes me a second sometimes. <laughs> No idea for this one. Um, uh, my last one I asked, I asked if Andy Marsh from The Art's Murder gave, ever tried to give someone pink eye. So I'm going to try and keep it away from the groinal region this time. Um, That's cool. That's a great question. <laughs> besides when you were in nappies. Have you ever, what? ever, ever shit yourself? Oh, dude. Oh, yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Actually, the funniest thing, the last time would have only been a few months ago, which is hilarious, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was a nugget, but it was a nugget at that. Actually fell into my Ugg boot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so, so, yeah, no, definitely, man. Many times, actually. Like, I've always, um, I always get too eager to chatting and the bathroom's the last call to call, I think. So. <laughs> well, that, yeah. Thank you for being honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, no, no that's good. I, I was telling, I'm told, I told a hundred people that never... Everyone's face was like, "Oh my god, this guy's insane!" <laughs> <laughs> I, loved I was, I, and like in all fairness, I was, I was at the door and um, having to step back to open the door for the bathroom was what, 
What, <laughs> what this life's been said nugget. I know I said I was going to try and keep it up with the underpants, but I want you popped in my head now. I had to ask it. <laughs> no, I like that. That was cool. That was very good. That was a good answer. <laughs> oh, it was good for the show. I don't think it was good for you at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. <laughs> I knew that was going to somehow come back to, to come out. <laughs> that's cool. Oh, that's awesome. You kind of preemptively just told everybody so no one can like find out in the future. <laughs> yeah, touche. I'll go. I'll keep it quiet now so people have to listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. So this has been Jim Silk from Red Bee. He's the bass player from Red Bee, one of the three members. Uh, if you want to go through the archives of the Full Motor Lockdown podcast, you can actually hear his brother and all the way back in episode three, Dan Silk from Red Bay. But uh, thank you for being on the show, Jim. Oh, it's a pleasure, Tom. That's fucking awesome, man. You did a, yeah, it's kick ass, man. The show rips it. <laughs> well, uh, like I said, every member, every member of Red Bay has an open invitation, although there's only one left. Oh, yeah, done that. Cool. Yeah, he's the only one to uh, come, and I will get him in the future. Yeah, wicked. Yeah, you'll enjoy that. Danny's, Danny's good value. He's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it would be interesting. He'll be the first guest that I've actually known for many years. I've known Danny all the way back from Orange. Oh, of course. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Back when he was still in The Rocks. The Rocks, yeah. That's right, the rocks. Cool, yeah. <laughs> it'll, be it'll be a good interview if he comes on the show or if he eventually does it. Uh, anyway, uh, like I said, we're going to wrap it up now because uh, we've been talking for over an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Wicked, that's cool. That's awesome. Thank well, thanks, Heath, man. What was that, sorry? Oh, I was just going to say thanks, Heath, man. It's always fun. I always enjoy doing anything like this and hope it all goes well for you in the future, brother. You too, man. Thank you. Wicked. Chill. Please hang up and try again. So that was my interview with Jim Silk of Red Bay. Uh, He's the second member of Red Bay that I've had on the show. I had Dan Silk a couple of years ago, for those who remember, episode three of the Formula Lockdown podcast, if I remember correctly, uh, we lost part two of his interview, hopefully one day we'll find it, but I'm pretty sure it is gone forever, I have looked for it, uh, we are one member away from having the trifecta, Red B is only a three piece band, and we've had two of the members, so Ian Dunn, we know, we've known each other for a long time, we're friends on Facebook, I don't think you have my number anymore. I don't think I have your number anymore. Uh, hit me up on Facebook. This is an open invite to the show. In fact, this is a challenge almost to be on the show. Uh, just hit me up and we'll, we'll discuss terms. We'll discuss details. We'll discuss availability. And we'll get it done. I want you on the show. That's all I'm saying. 
Anyway, uh, so right now on the show is a mo- new monthly thing that I'm doing every month on uh, the Formula Lockdown podcast. It's an advertisement, almost, pretty much, uh, for my monthly heavy music night in Batemans Bay, heavy music being punk, hardcore, and metal, uh, that is called Pitted, P-I-T-T-E-D, uh, look this up on Facebook, pretty much, it's pretty good, very first one had Segression, uh, then Clowns, then Totally Unicorn, then Child Hogan, then, uh, Tudra Toe, then, uh, who else, um, oh, yeah, that's right, Cancer Bats, from Canada, and then we've had, uh, Inhuman Remnants, and, uh, The Dead Rats, and High Test, last month, although, yeah, uh, the next one is actually March 12th, and for the first time ever, it is nothing but South Coast bands. That's right, we're, we're boosting up a few of the South Coast bands. Uh, three of the four bands that are playing it have played Pitta beforehand and uh, tore it up. Uh, the first band is a band from Maria. Maria is on the South Coast, on the far South Coast towards uh, the bigger side of Batons Bay. Uh, they're called Toxic Drags. They have been a band of the week before on the Formula Lockdown podcast. Before we changed it to band of the month. Uh, they're once again Toxic Drags. Look them up. You find them on Facebook. If you go to the fitted uh, site, they're there. If you go to Formula Lockdown uh, Facebook page, they're there as well. Uh, well, technically a link to the current pitted event is there and you'll find a link from there to get the toxic drags uh page right and then after toxic drags we have below arcadia who have never played before and toxic drags by the way played with Joel Hogan. if i'm saying that wrong let me know i've heard other people say it that way and i thought it was right and i've never actually i missed that edition of the pitted uh, concert, and I wasn't there, so I couldn't ask him how to pronounce it properly, but, uh, yeah, next up is Below Arcadia, Below Arcadia are, uh, South Coast multi-town South Coast band, they've never played Pitted before, so they're literally popping their Pitted Cherry, uh, members of Below Arcadia have played Pitted before, not as below Arcadia, they played in the other bands, so uh, yeah, looking forward to it. I've been wanting to get below Arcadia into Pitted into Baton's Way for quite a while. This has been the first opportunity, and I took control of the situation. Next band is Brown Paper Bay BPB from Nara, they played with uh, Toad with Toad, if I am correct. They played with Toe to back in, I think it was August, August, September, around there. Uh, it was a great, actually, yeah, it was August, I think. It was a great show that they played, they tore it up. They're playing again, they're going to tear it up again, and I can't wait for it. They're one of the best bands that have played on that stage so far. 
and to close out the night we have Terravorus. Terravorus the the veterans so to speak of the uh pitted stage. They've they played the first one with Segression. Uh they fled under the old name Art and Craft Must Die. They changed that. Uh then they supported Cancer Bats a few months later in October under the Terravorus banner. Uh, then they played in January under the, under Inhuman Rainmates, Namaza and Chad. Uh, Chad and Namaza are both been, uh, Bands of the Week. Namaza was a nominee in the Band of the Year competition that I ran a couple of years ago that I'm hopefully running this year as well. Didn't run it last year because I didn't do enough episodes to warrant running it. Anyway, um, the bands that I did have last year will get nominated in this year's Band of the Year competition, by the way, uh, so that they don't miss out, so it's not unfair to them, uh, but Terravorus have played three times, and it's the very first time they get a chance to shout out the show to, uh, their corner, headline position, really a equal opportunity position uh we've set it up so locals were first and the locals are last and by locals i mean Bateman's Bay maria they're only 10 minutes apart from each other <laughs> 20 minutes apart from each other 10 minutes if you go fast and break a lot of laws don't do that people don't do that uh but there are yeah they're the local and semi-local bands um and then Nara and South Coast mix up their playing. Below our caddy have never played before, so they're going first. Brown Paper Bag have played before, so they're going second In as far as those two go. They're playing third overall. And Below our caddy are playing second overall. It's only $10 entry uh, if you buy the ticket beforehand pre-sale. $10 plus booking fee or $15 at the door and that's the price every single month for pitted and it's at the captains at Mariners in Baton's Bay the Mariners Waterfront Hotel and yeah it's on once a month and it's pitted called pitted once again facebook.com forward slash pitted uh, check us out or you can email if you're in a band and you want to play email me at tom at run and rejoice it's R-U-N-A-N-D-R-E-J-O-I-C-E dot com dot A-U. Tom at runandrejoice.com dot A-U. And yeah, we'll see about getting you on the lineup. We've booked all the way up to, I think we haven't booked May. Oh, we're booking May at the moment. And June and July are free. So hit me up. And we're open to anyone that wants to have a go at it. Seriously, it's fun. It's, uh, yeah, it's good times. But, uh, yeah, next up is my review of the, uh, new Drowning Pool album, actually. And, actually, I've got to pull my laptop up. Because I've listened to it, but I can't remember the track names. Yeah. Which I probably should. And... Yeah, we are, it was 
from listening to it, it's one of their better albums. Like, obviously their best is going to be Sinner. And every single one of their fans is going to agree with that. Uh, the best album they've produced is being Sinner. From uh, their days with... Um, what's his name? Uh, with, sta- with Stage. I, I know his nickname. The original lead singer. And, uh, yeah, that album is definitely the best. Uh, the, their new album is called Hallelujah. It's the Hallelujah. Uh, I'm just trying to find, here it is. No, I don't want to play uh, the Tiger. Uh, here it is. It's the first song is called Push, and it starts off uh, starts off aggressive, and in a very good manner. The next song is called By the Blood. Dro- uh, song three is called Drop. Song four is called Hell to Pay. Song five is called We Are the Devil. Song six is called Snake Charmer. Seven, My Own Way. Eight goddamn vultures. Nine another name. Ten sympathy depleted. Eleven stomping ground. Nine, uh, sorry, twelve. Meet the bullet. And thirteen, All Saints Day. Uh, yeah, Drowning Pool. Uh, one of those bands that uh. Every, if I talk to anybody that's more into mainstream music, and by mainstream music, I mean top 40 pop chart music, they, and if they know who Drowning Pool are, they say, oh, that band, that the lead singer died, and they broke up, like, 20 years ago. Yeah, uh, they didn't break up, just so you know. I've been following their career since day dot. And they never broke up. They've released several albums in between then and now. They've had a fair few lineup changes to say the least. But uh, the new album is called Hallelujah. Uh, it's available now in store, store, in store, or on iTunes. I believe it is available now. Anyway, I'll just double check that. But. Uh, yeah, it's well worth the pick up. It's uh very good. It's one of their better ones that they've done. Uh, like I said, not better than Sinner, but you're not gonna get any other albums that are better than Sinner. And yeah, it's uh twelve, thirteen songs of just heavy awesomeness, pretty much. Uh. How would you explain uh, Drowning Pool's genre? Uh, groove metal, almost new metal, groove metal, new metal. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I'm just trying to find the release date for Hallelujah. It's spelled H E double L E L U J H. Not hallelujah, hallelujah. And yes, it is out at the moment. It was released on February 5th. So, uh, yeah, you do yourself a favor. Go out, grab it. 
it's a great album. Uh, lead single is By the Blood, and uh, followed up by Snake Charmer and Hell to Play. Uh, Hell to Pay, sorry, not Hell to Play. Sorry, it's uh, currently three thirty in the morning, and I'm tired. Um, but yeah, it's uh, all up. It's forty eight minutes, roughly forty nine minutes of uh of heavy awesomeness pretty much it's uh it's written as uh heavy metal or alternative metal if that's correct i have no idea uh i would say it's heavy metal uh, but yeah uh right now actually on the full my lockdown podcast i'm gonna have a little tribute to lemmy uh, it's, uh, between the last episode and now, we, he unfortunately passed away at the age of 70. It was four days after his 70th birthday that he passed away. Uh, he passed away in Los Angeles, California. Um, yeah, last I heard he was on tour and he was playing with Motorhead and he was having a good time. Then he got sick. He had to fall off tour. Then, from what I heard, and I can't guarantee this, from what I heard and what I read on certain websites, uh, he got sick. He got told that he was very sick. And then, uh, four days later, pretty much, or a few, like two or three days later, he died. He passed away playing a video game. He died, uh, I wouldn't say peacefully, because from what I heard, uh, not only the prostate cancer got him, but it was the uh, congestive heart failure that uh, took him out, and it wouldn't have been easy. But uh, in honor of Lemmy, I have uh, announced that each pitted, the official drink for pitted is now the Lemmy, which is a uh, Jack and Coke, on ice in a tumbler. A tumbler is a small glass. But uh the the Mariner Captain's of Mariner's Mariner's Waterfront Hotel has agreed to do it. And uh yeah, the Lemmy is now the official drink of the of the event and it's the official drink of the podcast. I don't drink but I have to admit in uh I've been tempted to have a Lemmy and uh yeah he will be forever missed he was one of the greatest men in the history of heavy music not only heavy metal but punk as well and rock and roll i mean you listen to uh foo fighters and tell me he didn't uh influence them and a lot of people consider them mainstream rock i consider them just rock and roll the epitome of rock and roll the only true rock and roll band left in the world and I consider their song White Limo from two albums ago or one album ago, whatever it was, uh, great. He was actually, Lemmy was actually in the film clip. Uh, but right now, we're actually going to have our song of the month. And once again, it is a tribute to Lemmy. It is Ace of Spades by Motorhead. I want everybody to turn up their iPod or turn up their car, whatever you're listening to this in, and yeah, I'm going to play it from start to finish, I'm 
probably going to talk over the intro a little bit like I am right now. This is Ace of Spades by Motherhead. Enjoy. <laughs> was Ace of Spades by Motorhead and right now uh, on the Formula Lockdown podcast we're actually going to go straight into the interview with uh, I have it down as the international interview but it's the interview with Frank Bellow from Anthrax that's right one of the big four talking about the new album from Anthrax uh, if you haven't got it go out and get it it's uh, been available since February 26th of the date is that you're listening to this podcast uh if you're listening to it after the 26th it means you can go out and grab it uh uh the sorry it's uh, really well it's either early or late depending how you look at it in the morning it's uh three uh, past three thirty in the morning uh now and i'm really really tired uh sorry i'm just looking up the name of the new album i should not because i've listened to it like nine times it, like i said i'm just really 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 tired uh 
the new album is called Jesus. No, it's not called Jesus. <laughs> the new album is called uh, For All Kings. For For All Kings. I've literally listened to it about nine times. It goes for about an hour from start to finish. It's released through Megaforce and Nuclear Blast Records. It was released on the 26th of February uh, 2016. Uh, Evil Twin and Breathing Lightning are the singles from All Kings. From For All Kings. Uh, yeah. Go out, do yourself a favor. It's one of the best thrash albums released. Period. Uh, it's one of the best albums released by Anthrax ever. Uh, the interview with Frank Bello is now on. Please enjoy. Uh, so, my first official question, uh, and mm-hmm. we'll get into the new album in a minute. By the way, I listened to it, and it's a monster. But, uh... Oh, thank you. My first official question is, uh, what... Tell me a bit about your history, like especially in regards to metal. Like, uh, what? Why did you pick up the bass in the first place? Um, it was I originally played rhythm guitar, and you know it's funny. I grew up with you know Charlie Benanti, the drummer of Anthrax. We grew up together in the same house, we're related. Um, and he was the one that actually told him. Him and my friend, my other friend, we were jamming one day, and he said, "You're playing the bass parts on rhythm guitar, so why don't you just switch to bass?" And it made complete sense to me that I was. I hear, when I hear songs, I, if I'm trying to figure it out, I hear the bass lines first. <laughs> so it's just the way I was born, I think, man. And, and from then on, as soon as I picked up the bass, man, let me tell you something. I knew I was home. <laughs> it was just as funny as that. And then I got into my influences. You know, my, my, the guys I always looked up to was uh, Steve Harris, uh, Giza Butler, and Getty Lee. Those are my three main influences growing up. So um, I just watched everything they did. And that was really my training, my schooling, was uh, watching those guys and listening to everything they played and their, their techniques and try to incorporate it into my own. And uh, that's, that's pretty much my upbringing. Uh, and to this day, they're still my biggest influences. Wow. That, that actually makes sense. That, uh, for me and a few of my friends, that's the same way we got into other instruments and we were just like, that doesn't feel right. It's, the bass was the, <laughs> the way to go. Um, you kind of know it. Yeah, you kind of know it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so, For All Kings is your new album. And by the way, like I yes. said a bit earlier, it is a monster. I got the chance to listen Thank to you. it. And uh, it is insane. It's not only one of the best anthrax albums ever it's one of the best thrash metal albums ever and wow dude that, that's that's so nice to hear sincerely thank you for that because uh, coming from where we're coming from after letting it go we, we really like everybody else and they say about their record i know we have to promote it but my god it, it it took us a long time to make sure it was the right record and then letting it out so what you just said it feels so good and i, I really want to thank you for that sincerely that that's my pleasure. Listening to it was insane. You gotta believe the track, the second track on the album is probably my favorite track on the whole album. As soon as I heard that, uh, wow. the intro with the uh, 
the bells at the start. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. this is cool. Then you got a believe starter, and I went, oh my god, it's a monster. <laughs> it goes right to fifth, right, right to fifth gear, doesn't it? <laughs> You're flooring it. I love it. And it doesn't stop either. It it stays just in high gear almost the whole way through, except for the instrumental. It calms you down and gets you into it. Then all of a sudden. Bam, you're back into the top gear. Yeah, that's all I did to make you, I think the record, uh, this is the way I feel about it, because after a while, uh, after you, you wrote these songs and we sequence it, it takes a long time for us to seek and agree on sequencing because we want to take it, take you on a ride. I, I equate it to like a roller coaster. Yeah. And it kind of leaves you on, on this high. That's what the, if you listen to the full-on record, I hope people do give it the whole record a chance and it really takes you on a ride. I think there's something, it's not a, probably, I feel it's our heaviest record, but it also is something for everybody in this record. So um, it, it means a lot to me for you to say that. Yeah, there are, on, literally on this entire album, there are no low points, which is was just phenomenal. <laughs> there, every single cool, song is great. Uh, is Evil Twin the uh, lead single? Uh, no, that was the first song. You know, not officially. It's weird how it works now because they they say this is your first single. I think we put that out first just because just make people hear the new stuff, right? Yeah. And then then the record companies get involved and say, look, we want this for our first official single. So there you go. There goes breathing lightning. That's what, that's what kind of happens with that. Oh, so, okay. uh, but yeah, we're, we're proud of you know it could be either or. You know what I mean? For us, it, it's all very exciting. Just making people hear the new music. So, um, however, uh, the way we can get it out there is, is especially these days, it's so hard. Um, I'm, I'm, there's a nice swelling that's going on with uh, this record. People like you, and thank you again for hearing this and, and, and putting the word out there that it's, it's, it's the right record and, and it's getting a lot of hype and the swelling is, is happening. So it's really great to hear. There's a great vibe and a great, um, there's a great thing going on. There's a buzz around Anthrax. And people are saying this is one, one of the most anticipated records of the year, which is awesome for us. So we're yeah. psyched. And it, yeah, I can't wait for it. I can't wait for it. It's uh, out on, uh, I believe it's February 26th in Australia uh, for mainstream Correct. release. Yeah. And uh, every single person I know, I've said I've heard a copy of it, and it is phenomenal. You've got to buy it. It's just yeah great you can't spread leave. the word man spread the word <laughs> thank you um, well, yeah, you know what it's a tight-knit community metal community you know it's a tight-knit metal community and we have to uh support each other so i think it's great thank you for that yeah uh, i'm gonna be pushing it as hard as i can on my show as often as i can uh how thank long you. how long did it take to record and write the album well we started around uh 2013 you gotta realize but well, we actually had a chance because we've been touring for, for worship music. We did over 300 shows for that, for that record. And uh, I think around the 250th show, we started saying we need to start writing. Uh, and so we started, Charlie Scott and I will get together for, I say, once a month uh, for a couple of days, a few days, and we get some really good, solid ideas and, and maybe skeletons of a song. And uh, we'll go away, and then we'll do another tour. <laughs> it came it, because we were always asked to do another tour, which is, I guess, a good problem to have. That means, uh, you know, that you're in a good place. <laughs> so we, we went back on tour, and then we came back and went, after a couple of weeks at home, we said, All right, let's, let's have another 
couple of days of writing, and we did that for um, for a while, and uh, and now it, and then we started recording it, and we did it we did it in, in, in pieces the recording because we didn't want to get burnt out and do all the drum tracks at once, all the basses, all the guitars. We did it in, in chunks like songs. So uh, I think that was the best way. This way, the energy of the record, you can hear the energy of the record is all there because it's very, it's vibrant and it's, it's, it's very live sounding. And I, I think we, we did it through Jay Rustin, our producer. He has a lot of great ideas on how to, how to record. And uh, I think it was a great, a great way to do it. Yeah. It turned out perfect. I literally, I'm not Thank exaggerating. You. That's what I actually think of this album. It is that good. Uh, Thank you. When can Australia expect another Anthrax tour? Well, dude, as you speak to me right now, I am I am asking my manager because we're doing this great this great buzz thing with uh, with Australia right now. I'm ready. <laughs> All <laughs> I want to do, we, we as you know, we love it there, and I'm not even saying that because we have to say it. I love it. We we truly love it there. Yeah, and we're ready. It's all about the promoters getting it together with you know the record companies, and we're dude, we're ready. I put it on as far as I'm concerned. You can put it on the chart now. You can put it on the on the map now and then schedule. But uh, I guess it, we will make our way there. I just don't know what it's 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 something for them to decide when it's the right time. I guess. Yeah. promoters and stuff like that but but believe me dude as we speak right now honestly we love it there and we're totally ready to come back no no doubt in our minds about that uh were the rumor were there any truth to the behind the rumors that uh you were the unnamed heavy band for the soundwide 2016 lineup which is now being cancelled but is there any truth that you were going to be on that lineup no there's, There's no, no truth to that whatsoever. Nothing. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't us. Yeah, there was a big rumor going around that one of the uh, big thrash bands was going to be in the lineup, and everybody said it's either Anthrax or Slayer, and both both of you guys have uh, denied being uh, approached to be on the lineup. How do you feel about no. Soundwave being cancelled? Because the festival's gone now, and AJ Matter has closed down the. Uh, the company and everything. How does that affect you guys, considering it was the biggest well, heavy tour in this area? I hope this is what I get. In the positive way, I look at it this way. It's to stay positive with it all. I hope that they can get something together. I hope that a promoter some of some stature out there gets some kind of festival thing going so that it could be something like that again in, in the right way, right? So where there's no issues and, you know, money issues and all that stuff, whatever went on, I don't, but I don't even want to talk about that now. But my thing is, I think it's good for people. Uh, it, it worked. It worked. So it would be great for people to see these bands and having everybody come over and play these, play these great, these great big places and these great big shows for a lot of people because everybody wins. So I, I hope that one day it comes together again. But in the meantime, look, I'm all about coming over and doing an anthrax tour. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, whatever works, man. I'm, I the whole point is getting us there. That's that's what matters to me. Yeah, that's yeah. There's a Legion Festival which has popped up in its place, but it's a crowd-funded festival, which is a unique concept. But uh, the guys from Devil You Know uh, organizing the whole thing, and it's uh, the cool. 
they're doing it in 2017. They're asking for around $4 million and they're having a bit of trouble raising that much money. It's, uh, it costs a lot to run a festival. Uh, yeah, of course. But it's cool they're doing that, though. Very cool. Yeah. It was great of them to stand up and say, yeah, we'll do it. Uh, sure. When you play in Australia, have you ever noticed a difference between uh, the Australian crowds and the crowds from overseas, if you know what I mean? Like uh, how they react to certain songs, how they react to how they mosh, all that stuff. Uh, is there any difference, really? Yeah. Well, it's a passion. I think this music brings it out in the fans anyway, quite honestly, because I'm a fan of this music, so I understand it. You know, um, I, I, I'm, I'm thankful to say across the board, you know, people live this music, you know, uh, and, and it's a great thing to see that I, and because you have to live and, and, and breathe this music, really, if you like it. And, I mean, people usually live and breathe it, and uh, that's, what, that's, what, that's the great thing about the metal community across, across the world which is great. So uh, Australia, just just as much as into it as any fan on the world, which is awesome. So, um, again, that's why we want to come back, <laughs> to be really honest with it. And it, it makes total sense to come back to people who like this music and dig it, you know, and, uh, and we could play to them and have a great time. We could have a great vibe together. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait for the next Anthrax tour. <laughs> yeah. Um... Me neither. Believe me. Do you get to do much touristy things while you're on tour? Like, do you get to go to the Australian zoos or walk around our cities and all that stuff? I have. I have. I mean, we've been to Australia a few times in our life now. So, yeah, we've gotten to do the koala bear thing, the kangaroo, uh, the, the opera house, uh, all the good stuff. I mean, you know what I'd like to do is going, um, uh, I would like to go to that uh, the really big zoo. What is it called? I keep, it slips my mind right now. Um, uh, depends what it's a really state. big zoo in Australia. Depends what state you're talking well, just, about. I'm sorry, you could... Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, I thought you cut out just now. Yeah, that, oh. that, I would like to do that, get some time to do that. Yeah, there's one in Queensland. It's the Australia Zoo that used to be owned by Steve Irwin. That's a pretty big zoo. Right. Uh, there's one in Sydney does he not, called Taronga. Does it, does it... I've heard it's Taronga, yes, I've heard yeah. of that. And so the the one in Queensland, the Steve Irwin's family doesn't own that any longer? Yeah, yeah, they sold it not long ago. Or, yeah, a while okay. ago now. But, yeah, uh, uh, that's pretty big because he used to use it as a conservation area as well. Uh, of course. Back to the album, uh, a bit of a technical sure. question. Uh, what gear did you use in the studio? Like, what kind of bass? What kind yeah, of bass? It's funny. Well, I have my ESP signature models, that, and I, I love these basses. And, you know, it's funny because Jay Rustin, who plays bass, our producer, he, he said it's his favorite It's his favorite bass to record with because it has everything you want. I'm not, this isn't a commercial for my bass, but I'm just, this is what he says. It has the, the thickness that you want for the low end, but it also cuts through the way you really want it. So uh, we use that bass just about for, yeah for every song. It was just it had the right sound, it, and and it was a no brainer. Uh, I used my Harky gear, my Harky LH one thousand, uh, and uh, you know we had some we had some effects going. Uh, we had some like if we needed some distortion. Jay has a lot of a lot of great effects. So uh, 
but not too much. I'm usually a straight shooter with that stuff, you know. So it, uh, uh, it's, you know, you know your sound. I think everybody, every bass player knows the sound that you want to get specifically for an Anthrax record and stuff like that. Uh, is it the same gear you use live? Or did you add... Like, yeah, I'm using... No, I, I have the same gear that's... That, uh, the hockey and my friend, the actual one I'm playing live is the one I used in the record. So, um, yeah. It's, um, it's, I, I, I keep it all, I keep it all, in the, the actual, the bass, the bass, uh, I use in the studio because I'm afraid to get, it's it such a great sound. I have it in my house, but I have the same signature model live. The, the actual bass I used on the record because I'm afraid it'll get stolen because it sounds so good. <laughs> <laughs> I keep it in my house because I want to use it on the next record. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah, I, I fully understand that. Yeah. I've got a, uh, earnable Music Man Stingray. That uh, never leaves my house. Yeah. It is my baby, pretty much. Outside of my kids it's, yeah. and my wife, it's my most yeah. precious. <laughs> so it just sits. Yeah, I my... totally understand that. Yeah, I've got another like uh, I think it, it's a Ibanez, uh, cheap Ibanez, and that's what I use to uh, thrash around with. <laughs> that that uh, one. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. But uh, my my music man is my baby. It sits in my uh, in my room and doesn't move unless I'm playing it at home. Awesome. But uh, who influenced you on For All Kings? Like uh, I yeah, I know before you mentioned that your childhood influences were people like Geezer. But uh, who influenced you on For All Kings? It's really, you know, what influences me is the song. I mean, I've had my influences, you know, it's the, you know, what I grew up with. It's, it's really much, pretty much Steve Harris, uh, Giza Butler, and Getty Lee. But uh, that's always been my, my bass influences. But uh, the song really dictates to me what, um, where the bass needs to go and, and the bass lines that I write. And um, it's really, and I always want to try to help the song. I never want to stand in the way of a song. I want to, add to a song. I, I, I don't think a bass line should take over a song. It should enhance. It should just be an, a little little tasty flavor that you add to it and that, that enhances the song. And I'll, I'll always try and help a vocal, you know, so it makes a lot of sense to me just to um, be there, be present, but don't be in the way. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, that's what I tell to a band that I uh, I help uh, I'm helping to develop at the moment with my uh, other company, my other touring company. But uh, I keep telling because the bass player wants to do solos over the top, and uh, I keep telling him the key to a great musician is knowing when to show up and not when to overpower everyone. I know you think you're better than everybody else in the band. But if you can't play to their ability, then what's the point in being in the band? Yeah. And he was like, "Exactly, Le- less is more. Less, yeah, exactly. less is more, man." Yeah, but uh, they're actually getting very good. They're they're listening and they're uh, touring and they they just played a show at a venue in one of our cities and they opened the night and by the end of the night, people were still talking about how good their set was. So I'm very happy with them. Great. Yeah. Uh, Good luck, man. They've got no music out at the moment, but they will eventually. They're called Terravorus, if you ever get a chance to check them out. Terravorus. But, uh, I, cool, I, man. Good, I good, good. I I'll give their shout-out to them. <laughs> uh, 
I've got a couple That's more cool. questions, and then we can end the interview because I know you you're uh, you're playing in America at the moment, and it's early in. Well, yeah, they 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 have. It's early in Australia. They but gave it's us uh, in fifteen. Yeah, they have they have fifteen and twenty minutes each because I'm doing multiple interviews in a row, and oh. they have those fifteen and twenty minutes. So I think so. Just so you know, I don't want to get in your way either because they. They set me up every twenty minutes. We have another interview coming in. So if you hear the phone ring, I'll just um, I'll, I'll just tell them I'm calling right back. I'll hope you can go back at five. Okay. Okay. Uh, the main question I want to ask is my favorite question: is uh, what music did your parents listen to, and how did it influence you? Well, um, you know, I, I listen to I try to listen to new stuff, but. Uh, uh, but the old stuff uh, that I've, I've grown up with is really still influencing me. Uh, God, I'm, I'm still listening to the Beatles. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I listen to Led Zeppelin. I listen to Black Sabbath. Uh, you know, uh, there's a band on this, on this current tour we're doing with our friend Lamb of God. It's called uh, Death Heaven. And they're a new band that I, I really like. Um, I think they have something, something different about them that I really like. It's just heavy music uh, with great... It's great... Uh, heavy music with great atmosphere and uh, great heavy vocals, like, but it, there's, some, there's a nice blend to it. So uh, I, I, I try to listen to everything, quite honestly. I want my ears to everything. So I don't think anybody should stick to one music to listen to because it, you're, we're all sponges, and whatever whatever comes into your head will you know will uh, eventually come out in your writing. Uh, did you say you're on tour with Lamb of God? Yeah, we're currently on tour with Lamb of God uh, here in, uh, in America. Oh, wow. Today that we're would, in Houston, Texas. That would be a pretty epic tour to watch. Sometimes I wish I was American. Yeah, we're having fun. Yeah, we're having fun out here, man. Uh, that's great. Uh, one of my questions is, and I don't know if I'm allowed to ask it, but I'm going to, and if you tell me that I shouldn't ask it, then I can edit it out and make it like I never did. But will there ever be another Big Four tour? And if so, will it come to Australia? I have one question, one answer for you. Ask Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, and that's the God's honest truth. Dude. We would love to be doing more, and I would love to bring it to Australia. But if you ever get the opportunity to talk to James or Lars or those guys from Metallica, who we're really good friends with, it's really up to them. Um, we would be on board, and I'm pretty sure Slayer and Megadeth would come right in on it too, because it was just a great experience for everybody, for everybody involved. But um, it's really Metallica being the biggest group in the world. Um, uh, I think it's really up to them. And believe me, as friends, we'd be there in a second. So yeah. yeah. Go go ask them. <laughs> go, go ask. <laughs> when when you joined Anthrax in 1984, uh, were, were they called the Big Four back then, or did that come later? No, no, because yeah, later on because nobody knew it was just a movement that was coming up, the trash movement. So nobody knew it was coming up, and uh, it just I guess these bands came up together um, and and went on. A lot of touring together and stuff like that became known as uh, the Big Four. I guess Metallica came up with that name, which is fine, which is awesome. It's a great, it's a great, uh, it's an honor to be part of it. 
quite honestly. Yeah. It's a it it's one of those things that's iconic. As soon as someone says the big four, they know all four of them Anthrax, Slayer, Megadeth and Metallica. They just it's yeah, it's synonymous with you guys. It's yeah. Um, and people have been trying to make big fours of other genres, but there's all, only one big four, so to speak. But, uh, we're up to... Our yeah, I mean... Oh, sorry. Sorry, what was that? Okay, no, 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 no you're fine. Yeah, I'm sorry to coming up, I'm sorry. Uh, we're up to our last few questions. We're going to wrap up the interview mm-hmm. because you've got things to do. But, uh... First of all, like, do you have any social media plugs like Twitter or websites or sponsor shout-outs or Facebook, anything like that? Of course. Yeah. Well, Anthrax, the, web, the website is anthrax.com. I personally have a, um, a Twitter and Facebook and, um, and uh, um, what's the other one? There's a million of these things now. <laughs> um, yeah, I have, I'm on the Frank Bello. The Frank Bellow. I'm the Frank Bellow. At, at the Frank Bellow, uh, if you want to put that out there. I will. I will definitely. Uh, last question. This is the question that I always end on. It's a multiple choice question. But I've asked every single person that's ever been on the show this question. Uh, it, there are four choices. Uh, ask me, a, ask me a question. B, B asks a really strange or weird question by me that is not music related. And I usually have to come up with them on the spot. Uh, C, give me the quote of the month for this month's show. Or D, give me the song of the month for this month's show. I like B. Give me, give me B. So, ask me, ask you a really strange or weird question, not music related. Yeah, that's always, that, 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 exactly, that's always fun. <laughs> uh, like I said, I usually have to figure them out on the spot, and I'm really yeah. silly because I never prepare. But, um... <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> Sorry, it's put me on the spot. It's your question. Because there, there are things popping in my head, but I'm like, I should not ask that. Um, I've, got to, I've got to be borderline appropriate. Uh, <laughs> okay. Have you ever, have you ever thrown a muppet? As in, grabbed a muppet and like a toy muppet and thrown it for no reason. No, other than when I'm cleaning, I'm helping my wife clean the house. No, <laughs> there's, no there's no reason to throw them up. They're lovable, they're lovable uh, dolls. No. <laughs> I asked that question because I look yeah. around right now. My daughter's still asleep, but I'm looking around right now and I see Alma, I see Gizmo, I see uh, oh, there's Miss Piggy, but she's not a muppet. Oh no, she is a muppet. Hey, dude, just so you know, I. I, 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 I I have a nine-year-old, and believe me, I understand exactly. We have the same toys in our house, and uh, <laughs> it's the same thing. So, yeah, if there's if there any throwing, it just needs to clean it up. <laughs> uh, you know the deal there. Yeah, yeah, I know the deal. Uh, it was great talking to you. It's been a uh, dream of mine to talk to, 
literally a member of one of the big four, a member of Anthrax. But uh, thank you for thank so you, much for agreeing to be on the show. Uh, this is Frank Bello. The new album for All Kings from Anthrax comes out on February 26th. Uh, seriously, pick it up. It is a monster of an album. It is probably, like I said earlier, not just one of the best Anthrax albums, one of the best thrash albums of all time, one of the best heavy albums, That's, if you want to go that far. Thank you so much for saying that. Please spread the word. Thank you. I really appreciate it. We, we can't wait to come back, man. Yeah, and we... We Australia can't wait to uh, have Anthrax back either. Like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I fanned <laughs> out a little bit for a second there. I was. It's it, oh. okay, brother. It, we we appreciate it, dude. No worries. Listen, take care of yourself and uh, and enjoy your, your. It's your summer there now, right? Uh yeah. But today is actually raining, so it's uh, a bit of a miserable day, but. Most days are pretty good, about 30 degrees and sunny. 30 degrees Celsius is cool. about 100 Fahrenheit. Yeah, it's hot. Yeah. It's hot, yeah. So, okay, brother, so take care of yourself. My next one's coming in. So have a great day, man. Thank you so, 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 there's so many nice words about the record. Please spread it around. We need it. Thank you. Thank you. See you later, Frank. Take care, man. Bye-bye. Bye. Please hang up and try again. That was my sit-down interview with uh, Frank Bello. By sit-down, I mean it was my interview over the phone with a member of one of the big four. Holy crap, I never thought I would ever get the chance to do that, but there you go. I interviewed a member of the big four. Holy shit, my life is almost complete. I've met the Red Chili Peppers and I've talked to a member of the big four. Fuck you. Seriously. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on with the podcast, I'm going to move into a, like, a bit of a fun segment for me. Uh, I'm a huge movie buff. I'm, I've never denied that. I'm a huge wrestling buff. I've never denied that. Uh, uh, yeah. So, right now, I'm actually going to talk about movies that I think are awesome, but shouldn't ever have sequels. Uh, sequels that... I'm also going to include sequels that ruin franchises. And not necessarily movies that I love, but... Yeah. Like, uh, sequels that ruin franchises out of movies. Not necessarily that I love. Uh, like, Miscongeniality didn't need a sequel. And I don't necessarily love that movie, but it killed the franchise. Uh, Fast and the Furious. Yeah. It's got, what, like, seven sequels? Or six sequels? Uh, have you ever watched Too Fast to Furious closely? It's fucking horrendous. Or, like, Tokyo Drift? Actually, that wasn't bad. Or, like, fucking Fast and Furious, the fourth one. Fourth horrendous piece of shit. Like, seriously, they they didn't need sequels. Uh, Because they're making a sequel to uh, Now You See Me, which is the the movie about magicians. Uh, And I'm hesitant 
actually think that it doesn't need a sequel. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do it. Because if those who have seen it know what happens at the end. And I'm not giving away what happens at the end. Because I'm not going to be that kind of spoiler. But yeah, it would be hard, far-fetched to have a sequel. They'll be like giving a sequel to like, I don't know, a true story. Like Elizabeth. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, the, or like giving the crowd kid a fourth film. Oh no, wait, they fucking did that. That's right. Or like remaking the crowd kid. Oh no, wait, they fucking did that too. Idiots. Oh, like, uh, This is the End is one of my favorite comedies at the moment. This is the End is an apocalyptic film. Where Jonah Hill, uh, James Franco, Seth Rogen, Jay Burchell, uh, Danny McBride, um, uh, what's his name, Robinson, uh, I've forgotten his first name, <laughs> I keep thinking of Sugar Ray Robinson, but that's not him, uh, anyway, uh, Craig Robinson, that's it, they all get stuck in the house and they're outside that house is uh the devil is taking over the earth and the rapture is happening uh they the they were planning on doing a sequel which involved them being at the movie theater for the uh premiere of the film then the whole thing actually happening and them getting stuck in the movie theater it never went down because they realized that was a really dumb fucking idea thankfully it never happened now, on the flip side, movies that should have sequels and did have sequels were and that were fucking excellent. Hostel Part Two was fucking excellent. Uh, Wayne's World, Wayne's World Two was another classic in of itself. Uh, shit. Um. Back to the Future. Yep. I'm going to say it. Back to the Future 2 was a classic. It it was perfect. In every way. To me anyway. Uh, Bad Boys. Bad Boys 2 to me was better than the first. Yep. I went there. Uh, Terminator. Judgment Day was just as good if not better than the first. Then again, Genesis was pretty fucking good, so we'll leave our Rise of the Machines and Salvation. But Genesis was pretty good. <laughs> uh, you've got films like that that are just fucking, they have sequels, and those sequels were fucking excellent. But then you have films with that have sequels that no one fucking knew about, like something about Mary. Did you know that has a sequel? Yeah, look that up. It's pretty fucking horrendous. And there's a reason why you don't know. Uh, there are films out there that have sequels. Look them up. You, uh, when B-Rate Studios bought the rights to the film. And did nothing with it. Or something like that. Or none of the actors would agree to do the sequel. So, yeah. They ended up buying it. Anyway, let's move on with the podcast. I'm actually thinking about learning how to do proper reviews. And, uh, 
and not throwing them at nearly four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and like actually doing proper reviews and putting a review segment in the show. At least I want to. I really do. Um, that permanent review segment in the show. Uh, I get the material enough to do it, and I really want to. It's just uh, whether I can actually learn how to articulate a review properly. I know how to do reviews, it just, when it comes to actually doing them, I get all flustered, like you heard earlier when I was trying to do that half-assed attempt at a review of the Bumblefuck review I did of Hallelujah by Drowning Pool. Uh, it was terrible, it was horrendous, and I'm sorry. <laughs> You had to sit there and listen to it. But either way, um, yeah, so moving on from that, moving on from the fact that I want to learn how to do reviews and put a permanent review segment in the show, I'm actually going to talk about what I think is going to be the most average WrestleMania in history is this year's WrestleMania 32. At least... I think it's going to be anyway. Uh, for those who are first-time listeners should know that I'm a huge wrestling fan. I've had a, a tricky an Australian wrestler on the podcast before. I've seen every single WrestleMania ever. I've watched every pay-per-view from November 2002 to now live. I've seen every Raw from July 2002 to now, as soon as it was available in Australia, uh, I don't watch Smackdown because I don't have the time, I, my kids have already got their favourite wrestlers, my daughter wears a WWE shirt to bed, uh, and she plays with a figurine, I have a World Heavyweight Championship belt that my wife bought me for my anniversary, like an actual replica belt sitting in my room. Uh, she bought it for our first anniversary for me. But uh, this year's WrestleMania is going to be average as fuck because the company, the company that I'm speaking of is World Wrestling Entertainment. And uh, this is just my opinion. Uh, the main event is going to be half good. And uh, by that, I mean uh, the build-up to it is going to be one-sided. Because they always use one of those superstars in the main event. The, sub- the main event is Triple H versus Roman Reigns for the World Heavyweight title. Roman Reigns, they always give the mic and tell him to talk. They shouldn't. They should just give him the room to hit people. Tell him never talk again. Shut your mouth. Never talk. He is a very competent in-ring wrestler. And I can't wrestle physically. I'm not allowed to. If I was healthy, I probably would have been a wrestler. I'm just saying. I would have tried it. But I... And physically, he can get it all done. He can compete with the best. He's had some great matches in his time. In his tenure with the company. Not ten year. 
tenure with the company. He's had some great matches. But he always ruins the lead up to the matches by talking. He can't cut a promo. Which leaves it to Triple H to cut the promo. Uh, Triple H is going to be able to cut the promos. But without someone to play off him. It's going to be boring as a fuck. And which is going to create an average build up to the main event. No anticipation to the main event. And it's going to be boring as all hell. And then uh, you've got a semi-main, which I think is going to be moved to the main event. The Hell in a Cell doing The Undertaker and the returning, uh, the returning Shane McMahon. I think this is going to be the most anticipated match of the card. And it's going to be the one all the fans look forward to. That being said, uh, Shane McMahon hasn't been in the company for how long now? Like eight years, seven, eight years, whatever it is. And he hasn't had a match since 2006, ironically, in a home cell uh, against Triple H and Shawn Michaels. I'm pretty sure that was his last match. Can't remember him competing after that. Although my, it's like I said, it's 4 a.m. and my memory is pretty bad. Uh, but yeah, if the Undertaker streak has already been beaten by Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 30, so that is no longer a factor. He can win the match. He can beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania and. Not have it be a huge thing. It's still a test. But it's not going to be a huge thing. If you know what I mean. But. Um, yeah. It will be interesting to see what happens. Another, the other match is. Not what I wanted. Uh, because. Those fans who. Uh, who. Follow the dirt sheets. So to speak. Uh, like Tricky said, the smart marks, just like me. Um, you would know that penciled in for WrestleMania was Brock Lesnar versus Bray Wyatt. Which is why the Wyatt family were fucking with him so hard at the Royal Rumble. But, WWE thought it would make more sense and more money to book Dean Ambrose against Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Uh, Dean Ambrose is a huge fan favorite, but so is Brock Lesnar, and not booking Brock against a heel, trying to get Brock heat and sending him heel again, is not what I wanted to see, um, it's really not what I wanted to see, uh, they've booked a street fight between Brock Lesnar and Dean Ambrose, uh, if Dean Ambrose wins it, it's just another classic uh, of, hey, wrestling's fake, and now we're making it really, really fucking obvious. Because, like, he beat the living shit out of him without weapons, and can destroy him without weapons. Now he's using weapons, and he still won. And Dean beat Brock. That's, yeah. Either way, um, so, if Brock loses, 
that's not going to be good. But I really wanted to see Bray Wyatt in that match because Bray Wyatt is one of my favourites on the current roster. And the fact that they're not getting him that shot, I know for a fact that he wants the belt. He said in interviews he wants nothing more than the belt. And they're not giving him the title. That's just making me sad a little bit. Uh, it's not his, he will get it eventually, it's just not his time at the moment. Uh, that being said, it's unfortunate that WWE have had so many injuries. Like, Daniel Bryan had to retire a couple of weeks ago due to being kicked in the face to are by Sheamus, who is one of, I love my Irishmen, I'm, I've got the Irish blood pumped through my veins, my family are from Ireland, uh, historically and aboriginal and uh we we uh sorry it's really 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 fucking late and i'm really tired but uh yeah seamus kicked him in the head and concussed him and ruined his career and then uh the company keeps pushing seamus which is pissing me off as well keep pushing seamus and roman reigns and no one wants them. Sorry, hopping. And no one wants them. No one wants them. No one wants them. Tell them to go away. We, the fans keep telling them to go away and put someone else there. The problem is the one person we wanted there, they tried putting there. And they had him there for ages. But he hurt his knee. Uh, his name is Seth Rollins. And fans really badly wanted him there. And they put him there, and he was had the spotlight, and he was getting this. Well, he was getting. <sighs> Sorry, like I said, it's really, really fucking early. Uh, he got that rocket ship strapped to his ass, and he went straight to the moon, and then he popped his knee out. And another one is Kevin Owens. We wanted Kevin Owens to get there, but unfortunately not. He's got the guy C strap at the moment. In a corner now, uh, title at the moment. Uh, tag team that I'm really interested in is the Usos. Not the Usos, the New Day. My over the Usos. I've never been a fan of the Usos. But, uh, I was never actually a real fan of the Shield, to be honest. But anyway, uh, another big rumor about WrestleMania is that CM Punk's coming back. I believe he's not, but. Hey, strange things have happened. Uh, but uh, another match is Charlotte versus, I think it was Becky Lynch and uh, the boss, uh, Becky Lynch and I can't remember her name. But uh, yeah, the, the, the whole Divas Revolution thing kind of died off when... They played it out because they ran into the new season of Total Divas and they were like, that's enough hype. We don't need a Divas division anymore. Uh, that'll do. And, yeah. The other thing is the, uh, Andre Memorial, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Uh, the groomer is that Brian Strowman, the giant, uh, fellow. The, uh, I don't know what's wrong with his face, but there's just something that makes you want to kick it as hard as I can. 
and just constantly just kick it and jump on it. But anyway, I don't like him. He can't talk. When he does, he always talks like this and yells into the mic. And he just pissed me off. And he he's like Carly. They're going to put so much faith in him being such a big guy. And he's going to be able to do fucking nothing. Because they want the big guy to replace the Undertaker. And they already have him there, really, and his name's Bray Wyatt. He's actually in the same faction. Fucking idiots. But, yeah, rumors are they're going to put a rocket ship under Braun Strowman and send him straight to the moon and give him the, uh, Andre, the Mon- Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal win. He's going to spend the, uh, is it the spring or summer? Yeah, the... No, which one is it? In in America, it's during our fall. No, no, winter, spring. He's gonna spend their spring fighting Roman Reigns, who's everybody. It is believed that he's going over at Mania, beating Triple H for the belt, uh, which no one wants. I might point out, no, the younger fans might want it, but uh, most fans that I talk to don't want that. Uh, apparently, Brian and Roman are going to have a big feud in the spring. No one wants it. Then Brian is going to go over with a uh, huge rivalry with Brock Lesnar in the summer. Uh, that's... Or I've heard about it. I don't know who's going to win. It better be Brock. I swear to Christ. They're going to have riots on their hands. Being this stupid. They're, I swear they're trying to build a competitor. By being so shit. They're trying to make it someone be a competitor with them. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So they've got to fill 110,000 roughly. At AT&T Stadium. At WrestleMania 32. From reports that I've read online, they are struggling with the ticket sales. Because John Sanders not going to be there. Randy Orton is not going to be there. Seth Rollins is not going to be there. Roman, uh, Daniel Bryan is not going to be there. Sting is not going to be there. Or he's getting inducted as all of fame, but he hurt his neck last year. Hulk Hogan is not going to be there because of his racist comments last year. Although, apparently, they're getting desperate and they're going to ask him to come back. Uh, Sam Punk is gone because he hates the company. Uh, there are a heap of people that aren't going to be there because they're just either injured, overworked, or just getting a raw end of the deal. And, uh, yeah, so it's going to be extremely average with one, maybe two good matches. Uh, AJ Styles is going to be my highlight when they finally announce a match. Uh, I swear, if they stick him in a tag team match, where he's like getting to do half a match with Chris Jericho, it will be good because it will be Y2J and AJ Styles together. But it will be bad in the fact that they only get like a quarter of a match each, if you know what I mean. But yeah, uh, so it'll be original. I don't believe they're going to fill uh, the giant AT&T stadium. 
Uh, anyway, uh, it's time to end the show, and we're gonna end the show with the tour of the month. Uh, the tour of the month is not happening in March, it's happening in April. And it's not happening in February either. But, uh, the tour of the month is for Black Sabbath, The End Tour. With Five Finger Death Punch and Rivals signed throughout April. It's at the Perth Arena on Friday the 15th. Adelaide Entertainment Centre on Sunday, April 17th. Melbourne at the World Labour Arena on Tuesday, April 19th. Sydney at the All Friends Arena on Saturday, April 23rd. And Brisbane at the Entertainment Centre on Monday, April 25th. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne, Tony Iommi and Giza Butler are going to be there. I don't know who the drummer will be because Bill Ward still isn't back. Uh, and he's not in the career of Black Sabbath with Black Sabbath. Which makes me sad. But. Yeah. If you can get a ticket. And I do believe tickets are sold out. Get one. Uh, I can't go to it unfortunately. But yeah. Uh. I mentioned it earlier in my show, and that is the tour of the month, by the way. Uh, as we're signing off, ne- next month I'm going to have an interview with a couple of members of Terrorvirus, uh, and much, much more, hopefully, an international interview or two. Uh, hopefully we can streamline the show a little bit more and uh, not have it as long. <laughs> Sorry about this, it's probably about three hours by the time I get through editing it, I swear. Uh, but, yeah, as I mentioned earlier in the show, my family's GoFundMe is gofundme.com forward slash Robert's Freedom. Uh, donate as much or much as you can, uh, whether that's a five or a ten or a twenty or a fifty or a four thousand. I'll be happy with anything you can give please give please uh even if all that you can give is a share on facebook please do that but uh yeah we're after i think it was 40 grand if we can't get 40 grand we're after whatever we need to get a car and it's a wheelchair accessible vehicle not just any car it's got to be able to uh accommodate my family's needs as well as I uh, fit my new wheelchair inside the vehicle but yeah that's been the Formula Lockdown podcast as always I'm Tom Roberts I will see you next month bye I love you